Welcome to the WTF Forum. The hosts do not give financial, legal, medical or any kind of advice. Opinions are their own. This broadcast contains foul language and dangerous ideas. If you need a trigger warning you are in the wrong place. Now enjoy the show. Dear partners and friends of What the fuck? Form, a very cordial welcome. The WTF Forum is a decentralized broadcast network with no governing body of any kind and is produced and distributed by a loosely affiliated, ever-growing network of rogue, independent content creators. This forum does not, will not, and shall not have any one location, feed, platform, or channel, but shall be shared and multiplied as nature dictates. If any listener of the following proceedings finds themselves offended, they will be asked kindly to go fuck themselves. What the fuck is up, y'all? Uh, <laughs> I'm just sitting here cracking up in the chats because uh, we got Stella Q telling Ashley to turn off her microphone while she finishes putting on her face, which is plenty beautiful without all the makeup, Ashley. Don't don't feel the need to change who you are for us, <laughs> all right? <laughs> but welcome to the WTF Forum post thanksgiving at least here in the u.s of a i am mike the polymath easy peasy podcast and i will pass it around the circle to my dear friend ando hey what's up mike good to see you good to see everybody else here this is uh this is like kind of the core team right here i think um missing what og probably and uh and rob and rob Rob may join us. Yep. He said he had something to contribute, but he's uh who knows? We never know with Rob. Anyway, yeah, I, I do a podcast too, but I, I hardly do it these days. And I'm always here with you guys because I love y'all. And uh that's called Burn Babylon Burn. But uh anyway, um what's up down under Miss Stella Q? Oh, things are generally down up here, down here, up. I don't know. <laughs> which one's up and which one's down. We just should invert everything. <laughs> Stella Q here from Union of the Unknowns. Happy to see my pod mate back here. We've missed you. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, Union of the Unknowns uh, passing on to the Drizzle. Thank you, Stella. I am the Drizzle host and chief instigator for Liberty Radio, proprietor of ManufacturingReality.org and humble t-shirt merchant. And uh, it's very good to be joining you guys once again, especially you, Ashley. Well, thank you so much. It's very lovely to see you. Speaking of t-shirts, you may not be able to see it, but I am wearing my Phytophiliac t-shirt. The yeah. uh, stuff that just dropped. So Shout out Fido. Yes, I'm very happy to be back with you fine people. Very happy to see my pod mate, Stella. And um, yeah, glad to be here. Post Thanksgiving. I was feeling a little, you know, a little post-travel weariness, but shaking it out, shaking it out. So is Fido's new album officially available? Is that what that means? I think so. Drizzle? Yes. 
uh, released yeah. November 10th on Bandcamp and shortly thereafter on SoundCloud, I believe. I may be off on the date, but uh, it is available everywhere. Music is served now. That's another core member of ours. By the way, since we just came off Thanksgiving, I want to say how grateful I am to be friends with all of you and how grateful I am that we have an audience and people that are tuned in and checking us out. So uh, really appreciate y'all for listening to us because uh, I, I think we put out something pretty cool and I'm glad to share it with you. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, what he said. Yeah, shout out to all of our missing contributors uh, who are many and almost maybe too numerous to all shout out, but we we will throw a shout out to Bear Snare, OG Dad Bod, Phytophiliac, um, Jared, Jared the Permy guy, even though it's been like a year since he's been on. Um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll shout out to him because he was one of the OGs that helped me get this thing rolling. And believe it or not, I'm actually gonna do a bit of a throwback to one of our first WTF forums. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna drop it right right away here, but for those that have been dedicated listeners since the beginning, you will know how we're kind of bringing it full circle here. You know, the holidays for me, uh, I love the holidays, but they've been challenging, let's say. And I'll put it this way. So I was with my family all weekend. We played games. We shared thanks. We shared food. And there were multiple times where you know, I was being pride to say what I was thankful for. And part of me wanted to say, I'm thankful for the WTF forum. Part of me wanted to say, I'm thankful I never got vaccinated. But that would have not been exactly what my family wanted to hear. So I chose my words more carefully. But I will, I will say that this was the first Thanksgiving I have had in three years or more that was pleasant and uh the whole family was there including me and uh, you know for that i am grateful but i i will echo what's already been said this forum i am grateful for all of you because and you know what fuck it i'm thankful for covid because that's kind of what brought us together right in a way it's what it's what radicalized me at least. Maybe I was behind the curve. Some of you have been on this shit longer than I have. I'm with you, Mike. I uh, have found those very strange, odd thoughts creeping into my little mind as well. That uh, if it wasn't for COVID, things wouldn't have changed. And there's been some somebody, really good change. Somebody early on described it as a colander, and uh, and it filters people out. You know. Um, and I, that's, that's been with me the whole time. Whenever I didn't even understand the full scope of it being a depopulation scheme at that time, I was, I was of course sus, especially because I knew that they were going to do this, um, since 2005 with, uh, something that Alex Jones put out way back then. But yeah, I didn't know then. And it looks like I'm having connection issues. So rock on y'all. You, you you were choppy for a second, but you sound mostly good. You know, I still say that the shots were the greatest sorting device in history. 
because it's you know it's not a, ever going to be a question of did you get it did you not get it there are going to be you know obvious indications over the course of time which side of uh of that thing you fall on and i also wanted to say that i was sort of with ando i didn't you know i don't know i maybe i had heard of the medical tyranny that was coming probably because i had watched james corbett right but i didn't understand the true globalist perspective at that point before covid i was you know like the united states government is the world's terrorist that's true um that government is bad that's true but i really didn't understand the magnitude or the depth of what was happening until that happened so it was absolutely an educational experience for me and changed my entire perspective and i am glad for that for sure Well, I thought it would be kind of fun. You know, I played all kinds of games with my family. Uh, that's kind of what we do at the holidays. We play games. Uh, it's a good way to have fun without, you know, having to converse. <laughs> right? Because conversation can be dangerous. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. We like to play this game called Fishbowl where you have to write down three things on three different scraps of paper, a person, a place, and a thing. And you drop them all in the fishbowl. And the idea of the game is like you go around and you, you, you have to pull, you know, you, you get 30 seconds to get your team to guess as many of these things that you're pulling out of the fishbowl as you can without saying the thing. And it's like round one, you get to use all the words that you have except the word on the paper. So it's kind of like catchphrase or, uh, I don't know, taboo or something like that. And then the second round, you get only one word to describe the thing. And then the last round is charades. Zero words, only actions. And it took all of my self-control not to write Anthony Fauci, Wuhan, China, coronavirus as my person <laughs> place and thing right instead i chose much uh friendlier subjects right you know i i bit my tongue quite a bit but like i said i am i'm glad that we had a fun time as a family uh but there is a certain amount of brushing things under the rug right and i think this is very common and um what i thought would be a fun game for us to play on our Let's call it Thanksgiving episode. Um, I'm calling it three, two, one, zero. Okay. And this is how many years ago did this clip come from? Fun. And, and I have specifically chosen nothing but clips from SNL. What do you think? Does this sound like a fun game? Oh, yeah. I'm in the game. Um, we played games too, so I'm in the game playing mode. I'm here yeah. for it. Cool. Yeah, I'm up for it. Uh, Tis the season to bite one's tongue. Yeah, it, yeah, unfortunately. Y'all ready but, for yeah. a copyright strike? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Fuck it. Here we go. All right. So at the end of this, I may or may not play the whole clip. Uh, I've got a handful of them, so I'll, I'll try to keep it concise. 
but I want y'all to guess three, two, one, or zero. Now, when I say that, it's rounding up, okay? So zero would be anything less than a year ago. One would be anything between one and two years ago, and so on and so forth. So here's the first one. Hi, honey. I miss you so much. Hi, mom. I miss you too. Oh, hey, baby. You come at just the time. I'm just in here making gumbo. I bet you miss my cooking now, don't you? Oh, you know I do, mama. Hey, mom. Hi, wait, I look terrible right now. Do we have to screen time? Mom, you look fine. Okay. I was calling because I just wanted to let you know. Mama, I don't want you to get upset. I won't I be able, able to come, come home, home for Christmas, Christmas this year. Oh, honey, you do not need to come home for Christmas, okay? I just want you to be safe. Really? Thanks, Mom. Yeah, and I guess since you won't be coming, I'll just throw your stocking in the fire. Mom? I just don't think it's safe. Okay. Let's talk about this later. When? When you've changed your damn mind. That's what you get. She ain't coming home. I just don't think it makes sense for me to travel right now. If you don't love me, Marie, just say so. Oh my God, Mom! I didn't raise a coward. I uh, totally agree about Christmas. But I do need you to come home tonight. There has been an emergency. Because I actually put all your old stuff in bags, and I'll need you to tell me what to donate. So what about your first christening dress? Is the key for, you know, your mother really misses you, right? I know, Dad. Are you not getting that? I know. I know. Is your heart not working, baby? This is your mother here. I can tell. Oh, my God. Look at that. Your first track meet. Remember how fast you were? How fast you were when you ran away from me halfway across the country to Chicago? And should I get rid of it? Great. We're being safe. We're even quarantining in different rooms. What? Why? For safety. Hi, sweetie. Your daughter has decided not to come home for Christmas this year. Oh, that's okay. We're going to miss you, pumpkin. No, it's not okay, Ray. Uh, no, it's not okay, and you need to come home. Fine, we will fly to you. Mom, no. Why, it's fine. I will quarantine in the plane bathroom. Great fix, darling. And Daddy will wear his racquetball goggles to keep the virus out of my eyes. How about that? That's not how it works. What if I died in a plane crash? That's a great point. And that was the last thing you said to me. Think about your dead mother. That can't happen if you don't fly on a plane. Oh, my God, the worst just happened. I've had a fall. Mom, I know you didn't fall. You laid down very gingerly. I saw the whole thing. Right. Okay, that's probably enough. All right, so three, two, one, or zero. What do y'all say? <laughs> two. Okay. Hmm. We got a two. I'm going to say zero. <laughs> Any other votes? I'm going to fess up and say I'm sorry. I didn't really quite get the rules. <laughs> okay, <about> so <laughs> we are guessing how many years ago these clips oh, came. Okay, all right. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll have to think about that. Okay, I'm going three. Okay. Mm, I'll say one. This was, in fact, roughly two years ago. Okay, not last year, ding, ding. but the, the year before. Yes. Yeah, point. Well done, Ando. Ten points. (laughs) (laughs) The twenty twenty one in the middle, in the real thick of it. Oh, you can write our scores on the screen. Oh yeah. Well, that sounds like work, but I'm sure I could. (laughs) (laughs) Put it up. 
Ashley's already onto it. <laughs> yeah, I can put it. I'll put it on. Uh, do you want it on YouTube? It's in the private chats. <laughs> I think Ando wants it on the banner, which I just haven't quite figured out how to work. <laughs> uh, if you want to make me an admin, I can do that. Yeah, Stella's the banner expert. Are you not an admin? How do I make the... I, again, you guys are making me think about things in the middle of the show that I have no clue how to do. <laughs> you started it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this was in fact two years ago, but I found it to be kind of a funny one because they're they're clearly poking fun at themselves at this point. They're like, like, why are you worried about quarantining in separate rooms? That's so silly. When in fact, a year prior that would not have been silly at all, right? 100%. I was definitely in stitches over some of those things because I think I'm the only mother here. <laughs> some mm. call me that. Mofo. But, uh, yeah, that was hilarious. Um, <laughs> if, if, you're a, if you're a really good mum, you have the thoughts, but you don't say it. <laughs> but, yeah, right. so accurate. <laughs> right. The whole, um, you know, the the uh, cross-country running trophy. And she's like, is this from when you ran away from me all the way across the country? <laughs> I did. I actually thought that was pretty funny because my mom has, um, yeah, I don't know, had similar sentiments. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're still using professional writers, you know, even though like most of the material that's coming from them isn't all that good. They, it's, yeah. you know, blind squirrels. They find a nut every now they and They find again. a truffle every now and again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or that's a blind pig, but, or, you know, broken uh, clock. It, it's right yeah. twice a day. Yeah. 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 Well, should we do Definitely another? Not politicians. Let's keep this game a rolling. All right. Let's do it. Three, two, one, or zero. Your neighbors, we just wanted to pop out of nowhere and say hello. Well, this is a surprise. Honey, have you met the herpes? I haven't actually, even though statistically I probably should have. <laughs> uh, I'm oral and this is my wife, genital. Please, please call me Jen. Hey! What's the matter? Aren't you gonna introduce him to your other child? Wow, look who's awake before 6 p.m., just in time to start drinking. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I a little uh, disinfected? At least I'm not a hoax like the rest of this family. Sorry, maybe now's not a good time. Yeah, it's like the herpes only show up when you're stressed out. <laughs> I'm only going to pause to point out that what he is drinking is pure L, as in hand sanitizer. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. We'll, we'll come back. We always do. <laughs> well, that was incredibly rude. Oh, I'm sorry. Are my proteins uh, not perfect like my little sis? Back from her first semester at the University of Phoenix in person? We gave you every opportunity. We paid to send you to New Zealand, and now look, zero cases. People are going to concerts there. It's a disgrace. Think of your poor grandmother, Spanish influenza. Come on, give me a kiss. I'll kill you. Now, she infected the whole world, and that was before airplanes. Ay, uno besito, I kill everyone. If you don't start infecting again, your career's over. You're going to end up like those washed-up viruses on Dancing with the SARS. Maybe you'd feel better if you just dined indoors more. Hey, I'm just following Cuomo's stay-at-home order. You do not mention Cuomo in this household! Why not? 
A lot of people say he's the only real leader in this country right now. You know damn well that President Trump is the only one looking out for us. We wouldn't still be here. Giveaways. And, and Trump introduced us to everyone he knows, even after he was infected. Now that's a class act. <laughs> Guys, do we really need to talk politics right now? Your brother is living in the clouds when he should be living on surfaces. Oh, yeah? Well, I heard you're not even deadlier than the regular flu. Spike! You take that back! No, 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 no. Let the big man talk. You think you're big enough to hit your old man? Dad, stop! Even my dad? Maybe mom just landed on a lung cell and replicated. Sometimes I wish you weren't my son. Oh, yeah? Well, it must be Christmas, because your wish just came true. I'm getting the vaccine. <gasps> Okay. <laughs> Three, two, one, or zero. Three, uh, easy. Yeah, that was clearly three. Yeah, I'd go with three. I don't know. I oh, years ago, why? Trump was yes, still president. Back, yeah, yeah. Okay, three. So this this is telling me it was two years ago. You know, I really wish that YouTube would actually give you what's a the. It, it's not showing you the date. Yeah, no. Um, I I would like to know, but don't be wait, fooled wait, wait. either. That's the, maybe uh, I, hit the maybe more button. Hit yeah, the yeah, more yeah. button on it, just, and it should show you the exact date that it was published. I, yeah, I tried. that's exactly oh, December, what it is. It, December thirteenth, twenty twenty. So yes, this was a little less than three years ago. And just bear in mind that published dates are not always the dates of when the videos were made true, as well. True. But this is on the official Saturday Night Live channel. So, um, yeah. yeah, December 13th, 2020. <laughs> I like how how the um, the punk little, like, the, the you know, the black sheep of the family was the one who got the vaccine, which was kind of opposite of everybody's, if I'm going to use a lefty term, lived experience. <laughs> <laughs> you catch my drift yeah i thought that was funny too that they were trying to associate the punk with being uh the one that you know was getting the vaccine the one and like everyone else was like a pro-trump family it was it was a little bit weird but it's always interesting to see you know how they're going to spin it the the goal of the family is to be the most infectious. Oh. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, then that makes uh, sense yeah. that the rebellious son would go and get the vaccine, which again right. is a psychological uh, signal to everyone out there who identifies as a rebel. This is what you need to do. This is your path. This is your programming. A little bit. So we have already gotten... <laughs> We've already gotten booted from YouTube. <laughs> I, I think they like suspend it until the clips are done. Like, I think we're actually still live on YouTube, but um, okay. Every time we play something from SNL, they they pause it. Bastards! This is fair use. We are using this shit for educational purposes. You can suck my dick, YouTube. <laughs> oh, I think we're back. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. 
I mean, we wow, have no they choice. Tried to clone Ando. Did you see that? I did. I did. The, we had two Andos for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. My my friend always says, if I was any better, there'd be two of me. So, um, yeah. So there we go. Nice friend. Shout out you to know, friends. I like I have oh, to like, oh yeah. I was just gonna say, like this game, it's necessary that we play like two more. So hopefully YouTube um, doesn't boot us completely. But there's a point to all this. Also, it's just fun. I hope it's fun for all of us. Um, I trust you, Mike. I just want to say, for the record, uh, YouTube can suck it. Yeah, we need. I need to get on Rumble. Okay, we need to get this stream on more platforms. Yeah, and Rumble is actually uh, quite a bit more friendly to people doing lives. You're mm -hmm. definitely going to get more engagement that way for sure than YouTube. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I keep saying it. I just have to do it. So, um, all right, let's do the next one. Three, two, one, zero. Let's see what you think. And now, every conversation with people you haven't seen since quarantine started. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Good to see you. It's been, well, it's been since before quarantine, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, how, uh, how was it? Um... Yeah, it was okay, considering. It was okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Who the f*** is this? Is this a person you know? It's such a weird time, but things seem to be opening up again. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Who the hell is this woman? Is she like my wife's friend? Or do our kids go to school together? I mean, it's such a crazy time right now. I mean, what's summer even going to be like? I know, right? Like, will people travel and do stuff? <laughs> I will get on a plane with you right now. <laughs> Is she my cousin? I feel like I'm floating with someone that might be my cousin. He remembers he's my cousin, right? And how many times can a person say, it's such a crazy time right now? It's such a crazy time right now, you know? So did you travel at all? No. You? No. Cool. Is this really a conversation? I think this is going pretty well. And how was your quarantine? You asked me that already, but it was, you know, it was okay. Some ups and downs. Ups and downs? You stabbed your husband with a screwdriver. <laughs> you weren't finished building the bookshelf, and you stabbed him. You yeah. don't even own books. But I'm sure we all went through some stuff. Totally. It affected me zero. But I think I'm just going to be extra cautious for the rest of my life, you know? Okay, I'm pausing there. Uh, the guy wipes his nose and makes a snotty sound and then puts his hands directly in the in the bowl of nuts, which again, you know, I'm like I like I, I always read into shit a little too much, but I actually think this is a statement of fact. The 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 guy who's like, I don't give a fuck about any of this, but I'm gonna say that for the rest of my life I'm gonna be extra careful while actually doing nothing to be careful. I found that to be kind of an interesting thing. So, uh, what do y'all think? Three, two, one, zero. One. Yeah, one. Mm. Well, I'm going to diverge from the crowd and say two. Yeah, I was thinking two as well. Um, and I wish I could remember more specifically that because it was the Elon episode. I do remember when that happened because Dogecoin went to the moon right before that so <laughs> huh, very technical <laughs> yeah. also interesting to note that 
perhaps Elon would not be so welcome these days. I don't know. Perhaps. It's hard to tell. It's Saturday Night Live. Yeah. They're like the, I don't know, they're kind of like the pace setter, even though it like really hurts me inside to to say that. Like they're one of the official organs. So do you want to know? I guess uh, are all votes in? This was May 9th, 2021. Aha. So roughly two and a half years ago. Yeah. Okay. So who won that round then? (laughs) I'm I'm not even keeping score. (laughs) Ashley and Drizzle, I think. Okay. If you say so. (laughs) I say so. Yeah, but we're only tied with Ando now because he got the first one right and we all got it wrong. So, so when I mentioned two, I think, sorry, Mike, I was going to say when I mentioned earlier that we're going to bring it back to one of the early, early WTF form episodes, um, I want to say this was either the first or second WTF forum where we played this clip. And I find this one particularly interesting. Um, and I might have just kind of given away the goat by saying it was a year ago. The game is ruined, but uh, here we go. I'm so glad we're doing this. My favorite restaurant with my favorite people. Honey, I agree 100%. You know what? This is so fun. Dinner is on us. Oh, uh, wow. But um, Keith, you know you can take your mask off the table. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm wearing it half the time. Well, I heard the CDC is going to lift all mask mandates soon. Oh, yeah, I know. It's so weird. It's it's like COVID's not over, but it's just going to stop. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Oh, you know, that reminds me of this article I read. Oh, honey, where... no one wants to hear about that. <laughs> well, it was in Bloomberg, and I thought it was interesting. What uh, what article? Well, it honey. Was... <laughs> it was just saying how mask mandates had... I don't know, little to no effect on COVID. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's not like I'm anti-mask or anything. I just sometimes wonder if any of the things we did actually helped. Gina. No, no, no. We can talk about this incredibly complicated and emotional topic. Yes, yes, of course. I will start Hmm. because, um, for instance, while I am so personally relieved that I'm vaccinated. Careful. I I sometimes wonder if, um, if other people who are hesitant, careful, might not have like a valid what not, not valid but but understandable not tonight help me i think what she means is maybe sometimes we are a little overzealous when we condemn oh no i just think that if people are actually losing their jobs oh no careful girl Look, vaccines save lives. Fact. Okay, they stop the hospitals from being overrun. Fact. 
Where are you up to? But did I have to dump my oldest friend just because he didn't get booster? Okie dokie. Three, two, one, zero. I mean, I know I already gave it away, but I think I've seen this one before. So I would have said one anyway. This one was the most recent that I could find. Okay. And this was, let's see, uh, the actual date, February 27th, 2022. So a year and about 10 months ago. It seems to me, though, that SNL all of a sudden stopped talking about COVID. In my cursory search, I could not find any more recent sketches than that. A little bit like the world, really, in one sense, and except for them who'd keep trying to, you know, the resurgence that doesn't seem to ever quite catch on. Mm-hmm. It's like the old burnt-out musician doing his farewell tours over and over again. <laughs> so I actually have a little, um, a little bit of a, a correction on that for you, Mike, and okay. I'll tell you how. Yeah. Please. So um, it's interesting that you say that, and the reason that this stands out to me is because there was actually somewhat of a quote anti-vax monologue on snl and that was when woody harrelson hosted snl you are you are getting ahead of me you might have noticed sorry 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 sorry. hey no but you you've got a perfect point i specifically chose to say that this was the last sketch that okay (laughs) okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay i'm with you yeah you're you're stella or i'm sorry ashley once again we are (laughs) <laughs> Tele- telepathically communicating i'm pretty sure <laughs> maybe so i mean this that would suck out i'm gonna wait till we get there but sure sure we'll get there we'll get there any thoughts at this point anybody wants to share i will say that i'm actually surprised that they were able to make any of that stuff kind of funny i stopped watching uh snl a long time ago because i didn't think they were funny at all but i actually thought some of those kind of were and they were a little bit more representative of other viewpoints than i thought you know that they at least acknowledged like this is awkward this is weird this affected people's relationships And I really just would have thought that they were going to be totally, and I'm sure that they really were, but totally um, just on board, pro-vax, pro-mask, pro-COVID, super dangerous, all that stuff. And I really didn't think there was a way to make it funny, but some of that was, you know, I thought it was kind of funny. They, you can tell they kind of started playing it back, right? That's what I found most interesting about that last sketch is the acknowledgement that maybe sort of kind of the people that we ostracized might have sort of maybe kind of had a point. Right. But as Drizzle has already pointed out um, in all those clips, there was that little psychological underlying thing because in that last one, there was that bit where now we know that vaccines work. We know that boosters work. And I thought, okay, well, there it is. Pretty obvious. Yeah, it's always subtle manipulation. 
especially when it comes to something that big that that's that's going out to that large of a scale of an audience right it can't be overt it can't be in your face all the time it has to be very low-key and under the radar mm. yeah it's sort of like um just like the little rudder just giving it a little push here and there just gently you know keep it on track or a nudge yeah yeah and that that is very true that that within all of the things that are in the allowable opinion or the allowable discussion the standard narrative is always there it's always the same what is the actual truth from their perspective right just like you always will hear um you know you're never going to hear anything about or outside of not voting right because that is the psyop that is the two-party paradigm so you must keep it within like yeah you can have thoughts to the right or thoughts to the left but never outside of that just like you can have thoughts that, yeah, maybe this was awkward. Maybe this stuff didn't make sense, but vaccines save lives for sure. So there's always the theme of what is allowable mm-hmm. thought. And then what, but, but with only within this very narrow scope that we can recognize now, but the average person doesn't see it and they don't think outside of that. So I did, I had a couple of clips, you know, part of my intention here was to just take us back in time a little bit. Like I tried to find clips that came out around the holidays related to COVID. And I had a couple of clips about, um, you know, from the news about you know how to deal with the holidays and COVID, but we've all seen this shit. You know, it's like, you guys don't need a reminder. I think I'm going to skip the news clips. Although, you know, they can be kind of fun to go back and watch, especially just hearing Fauci like <laughs> chase his own tail, you know? Yeah, I'm up. I'm up for it. <laughs> okay, fuck it. Let's do, A little we'll trip do... down memory lane, baby. Yeah, yeah, we'll do one. We'll do one. How about that? Uh, let's see. I think this is the one we want. Despite health experts nationwide pleading with Americans to stay home. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Millions of Americans are back home this morning after traveling over the holidays. We really wanted to see my family. On New Year's Day alone, the TSA screened more than 800,000 people. Just a few days before, more than 1.2 million travelers took to the skies. The biggest single travel day since the start of the pandemic. It's a risk we're taking, like if we do get sick. But it was worth it because we had fun. But experts fear that fun could mean disaster in America's hospitals. My concern is that it could get worse over the next couple of weeks as we see the lag that happens when an event occurs like the Christmas and New Year's holiday. Pope Francis criticized vacationers who traveled to avoid lockdowns, saying they thought only about going on holiday and having fun. This pained me a lot. Nationwide, images of packed parties and giant gatherings have flooded social media. In New York, police shut down an illegal karaoke party with more than 300 people. In L.A., the sheriff's department raided five New Year's Eve super spreader parties. Well, Corona. In Florida, thousands of maskless vacationers flooded area beaches. And packed pool parties with little to no social distancing. At the start of this first full week of 2021, America's COVID death toll stands at more than 351,000. The number is stunning. 
the equivalent of a 9-11 scale attack every day for 117 days straight. By far the highest death toll in the world, with more than 20 million Americans confirmed to have been infected. But the president is falsely claiming the number of cases and deaths is far exaggerated. Dr. Anthony Fauci pushing back. Go into the trenches, go into the hospitals, go into the intensive care units and see what is happening. Those are real numbers, real people and real deaths. One big concern continues to be. Isn't it funny that he says go into the hospital, go into the trenches, go into the ICU, but they would not let you. You could try. You could try to go confirm your for yourself, but no. Sorry, no admittance. We're not going to let you look. Well, and the few people who were actually able to get in and confirm for themselves were reporting back something vastly different. Yeah. Well, and I believe, you know, we can play three, two, one, zero, but um, I believe this clip uh, came from shortly after the time when they were basically killing people with ventilators. Okay. This was January 4th, 2021. Yeah. So yeah, they, right after the holiday season. Yeah. Yeah. I, and you gotta uh, love you gotta love the Pope telling people not to worship as a group, right? Right. Not, not to gather. It makes yeah, him very it, sad. It hurts him. It hurts the Pope. You should mm-hmm. do it for the Pope. If you can't think of Nana, at least think of the Pope. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the hell are you people doing? <laughs> He always wants his ring kissed. Um, we we had a fellow here, Pete Pete Organics, I think he goes under on Instagram. He was in Victoria, Melbourne, Melbourne, Victoria. And uh, as the blurb on the news was about the overrun hospitals and how it was just, yeah, chaos. And he, he was driving around showing the, well, he shouldn't have been, but he was, so good on him. Um, yeah, just showing video of just packs you know ambulances all sitting in there they're not out there everywhere there was nobody no activity not people spilling out the doors it was just yeah you know i have i have a friend who's a firefighter and he told me pretty early on in fact he well he was one of the first people on my podcast i'll say that um and he told me pretty early on he's like bro like we're not responding to any COVID emergencies. You know, this was like in 2021 or 2020. Again, I would have to go back and look at the date, probably 2020, you know, 2021, because it was when I started my podcast and he, uh, he was like, dude, I just don't see it. Like I'm, I'm out there dealing with all kinds of shit, but I'm not seeing COVID people. You know, and maybe maybe you could argue, well, they're already in the hospital. They don't require EMS, but most of what he does is EMS. He's a firefighter, but it's 90% EMS. And that was kind of telling. It's like, oh, that doesn't sound like what they're saying on the news. Yeah, I had a couple of friends, both very early in the piece and fairly recently, talk about how they had spoken to nurses or people that they knew directly who were working in hospitals and how they were saying how terrible it was. So, I don't know. I, I couldn't quite get with that. I All I sort of thought was that APRA here, A-H-P-R-A, who were the people sort of like your, um, well, your Fauci department, whatever they're called, NIH or whoever, 
um, that gave the orders, you know, to hospital people to um, do things in a certain procedure, like do what we tell you, not what you think type thing. Oh, hell, so, that was the CDC. CDC, right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. What's our equivalent? Um, so, yeah, I, I guess maybe they were just being fooled by what they were being told or they were, I don't know, I'm not really, couldn't quite figure that one out. So I would have thought, especially the most recent one, that they would have been awake to it a fair bit by now, especially the you know nurses that are working in there all the time. Don't know. Yeah, they totally bought it. Uh, a lot of nurses w would go along. It's like they never would admit, even if it wasn't, you you wouldn't know it. They always were like, oh, yeah, it's terrible. And it's like, well, okay, maybe it is. But first of all, maybe people that have a flu or a bad case of flu are admitting themselves to the hospital because they're freaked out. Um, yeah. Yes. And even, even if they weren't right, there is such a thing as mass hysteria. So when you're telling people how bad it is and let's say under normal circumstances, you might be like, man, this is a bad case of flu. Like I, I may have viral bronchitis or something and I'm having like a little shortness of breath. Even I might need a steroid or, you know, whatever. But instead of doing that, they freaked out and they went to the emergency room. And those people gladly gave them an inaccurate test that would say, yeah, you have it. Then mm, you would be admitted yeah. because the, they had they were running a game on admitting people to the hospital because the hospitals were paid. You know, if you have someone test positive at the hospital, you get money. Cha -ching. If exactly. If they're Cha -ching. admitted, <laughs> <laughs> if they're put on a vent. Cha-ching. Cash yeah. money. Yes. If they die, if they die and we can label it COVID, big money. Yes. Double cha-ching. Boom, boom. That's the lottery, baby. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So I think it was a combination of all of these things, right? Of the inaccurate testing, of mass hysteria, of people losing their shit, and hospitals being incentivized to give you remdesivir, ventilators, all that stuff. Sorry, Stell. Oh, no, you're right, man. Yeah, I did wonder how much of it might have been power of suggestion um, as far as the employees go. And, well, uh, there, was I, a I, very, there was a very hypnotic element uh, to the, the way they carried out the marketing campaign. I think you're true. absolutely right about that, Stella. Yeah, yeah, very true. It's um, the propaganda. I mean, they've, they've been working this out for a long time, haven't they, with multiple think tanks. So, of course, they're going to be brilliant at it. Um. Yeah. Well, and yeah. it's not like this phenomenon this phenomenon is unknown in human psychology, right? right? I was while I was listening to everybody else, I was looking up the title of the book to make sure that I get it right, and that is The Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds, which was published back in the 19th century, mm -hmm. right? Which speaks mm -hmm. to everything that we saw during the rollout of the COVID marketing campaign. You know, this this which, is known stuff. What yep. you might call riot mentality, which yeah. I, I couldn't help but notice. Or dancing sickness or tulip madness. Yeah, yeah. Tulip mania. Yeah. I couldn't help but notice as they were listing off all these problematic things about, you know, police shutting down an illegal karaoke party and pool parties and mass gatherings. You know, the one thing they never mentioned BLM. 100%. Corona knows better. 100%. It's not going anywhere near a BLM protest. 
And they established I, that in 2020. It's known fact. You can't question it. Yeah, it's probably because all those people were were masked and uh, vaxxed. That must have been why. Unlike the free speech <laughs> no. and freedom of assembly protests that uh, that happened before that. Um, but- I understood it was because BLM and the coronavirus had drawn up a treaty. The kind of like a, 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 what do they call it nowadays? Ceasefire. There's a ceasefire <laughs> agreement between them. So one totally. thing too that I was going to say is that the other thing that has happened is that all, so in the United States, we used to have independent doctor's offices, right? Over the last 20 to 30 years, they've all been gobbled up and consolidated and consolidated, right? So when you're dealing with these entities with this top-down messaging and they have just the entire staff able to email, you're probably getting updates from like the AMA and the CDC and, and all of these people every single day telling you how bad it is, how bad it is, how bad it is. So they were getting updates of and and that version of brainwashing that even the regular populace wasn't get wasn't getting. And the other thing too is they were told how special, how important they were. So I think that that was part of the brainwashing campaign. You're mm. on the front lines. You're so special. You're a hero. So we're telling you this and we're telling you how bad it is. So all that time they're they're getting that every single day. I guarantee you they were getting like the average populace was getting the covid death ticker. It was probably that on crack that the medical community was getting during this. And yet they were they ha- they had the time to film so many TikTok dance videos. So many dances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I, mean, I only have a, like a handful of them, you know. <laughs> Takes up a better part of two hours. Absolutely. I just had the uh, the royal family applauding come to mind during that. Remember that? Prince William and his family coming out and applauding the the medical staff. That was one particular thing that sort of stuck in my mind. I do remember that now. (laughs) (laughs) And the statue. You remember that horrible statue that was like of a nurse that was unveiled? It was this giant statue. And I was just like... (laughs) Oh boy, this is a problem. They're going to make sure that it goes down in history exactly the way they want it to. That's what this is all about. That's why it's so nonsensical now. But when when we're looking back in in the future, when they're looking back, it's not going to be quite as nonsensical. Right, it's just fact. Yeah. I was was thinking about this, um, hanging out with my nieces and nephews, because they're all young enough, thank God, that COVID was like not really a priority in their minds as, as kids. You know, like my oldest niece, um, she had to wear a mask to school, but she's still very, very young. And like, luckily it didn't fuck her up too much. Right. She's she's a very confident young girl, um, this and that. But I'm like, I'm very interested in what that conversation might be 10 years from now when she's no longer nine. She's 19. Yeah. And she says, hey, Uncle Mike, like, what was COVID like? Mm. And what are they going to teach them in school? I mean, you can only Mm -hmm. imagine the mind boggles. And that's the same Mm -hmm. thing they're doing with J6, the insur, um, because they're constructing that. It's just as nonsensical, but they're constructing it purely for history. Now, I do want to just address the fact that Ando, unfortunately, his connection was not working. So he's not currently in the stream, but he is in the chat. So 
uh, he may have some contributions to make as we go. Um, but I do want to take it to what Ashley alluded to earlier, uh, the Woody Harrelson monologue, which is, as far as I know, I'm happy to be proven wrong, but I am halfway convinced at this point that Woody Harrelson is the last person to address COVID at all on SNL. I believe you may be right. And he didn't even address it necessarily directly. He never said the word COVID. And we're going to go from a new game on the WTF forum to an old game on the WTF forum. We're going to play Based or Bogus. <laughs> Based or Bogus, baby. Woody Love Harrelson. it. Oh, man, we need All some right. game show music. <laughs> yeah, we that would be so cool. Uh, you know, I, I will say, now that you mention it, Stella, we could get some Based or Bogus like uh, jingle. And maybe a three, two, one jingle. That could be fun. But we are so very close to a new WTF forum intro slash outro song. And despite Stella pleading with me not to listen to <laughs> the half completed version, <laughs> I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. And I'm very excited with what I'm hearing so far, but it is still in the works. So, My friend, if you were a cat, you would be dead. <laughs> I thought your Curiosity. leadership skills would uh, would win, but nay. Hey, nah, nah, <laughs> I was drunk. Stella, Stella, I was drunk, and I said, I just can't. <laughs> I can't help myself. I have to hear it. That <laughs> explains a lot. Okay, that's all right. You're a human being. Not going to hold that it. against you. Especially, well, and I hate White to say male, it, but whatever. Well, the funny thing is, Stella, you you almost sealed the deal. No, you did seal the deal. I was drunk enough to not care until. You asked me not to listen. <laughs> you know, I wondered if that was going to be the case. I sort of felt like I should leave this alone because because uh, uh, Bear said that you hadn't. Yeah. Oh no, I could see that you hadn't seen it yet. So yeah, I thought oh, you, spotlight you on sealed, this. Is, I'm shooting myself in the foot here, but whatever. You sealed the deal. You're like, don't listen to it. It's not finished. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> it's all right, brother. Don't tell me what to do. Exactly. <laughs> I have free will, my friend. <laughs> I respect that. But yeah, I think I think now would be a good time to play this Woody Harrelson monologue. I'm not going to play the whole thing because he kind of, you know, I was tempted to play the whole thing because I halfway am convinced he's talking in code throughout it. Should I should I just play it? We're we're less than an hour in. We're not yeah, any big play rush. the whole thing. I'll play. The what are they going to do? Yank the stream again? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> For the fifth time tonight. <laughs> it's such yankers. Um, but you know, since I will play this whole thing, it's about six and a half minutes. Uh, if at any point anybody wants to comment, feel free to interrupt, and I will hit the pause button. Okay, I'll try to stay at the ready. Cool. So yes, sir. Okie doke. Here we go. Thank you very, very much. Hello, you beautiful people. And, and you ugly people, too. No, I just, uh, this country seems so divided, beautiful, ugly, black, white, blue, red. I love everybody. Maybe because I'm a redneck hippie. Uh, you know, the red in me thinks you should be allowed to own guns. The blue in me thinks 
squirt guns. <laughs> so I'm red and blue, which makes purple. Uh, I'm purple. So this is my fifth time doing SNL. And you know what that means. No jacket. Oh, okay. Um, the last time I did SNL was around Thanksgiving 2019, three years ago. And you will not believe what happened after the show. The next day was a Sunday, as it always is the day after I do Saturday Night Live. It's like a pattern, I noticed. Anyway. I went walking in the greatest part of this city, Central Park, leaned against a tree, and started to read the craziest script. Okay, full disclosure, I smoked a joint first. <laughs> the reason I like herb more than alcohol is because it makes me feel good, no hangover, and I never wake up covered in blood. <laughs> but regardless, I have decided to quit smoking pot altogether. Okay, I, I decided to pause there because the first time I, I saw this, the whole I never I don't wake up covered in blood comment like kind of just like flew past me. I didn't really think twice on it. But since listening to this for the first time, I have come to understand that Woody Harrelson's biological father was in fact a assassin or should Contract I say killer. or should Contract I say killer. An assassin, a contract killer for possibly the CIA. For hire. Yeah. He was for, for hire. hire. Mechanic. Okay. And so this comment about alcohol versus weed and the mm -hmm. fact that when he smokes weed, he does not wake up covered in blood. I'm like, interesting. Also, it makes me think of the movie Natural Born Killers, which was one mm. of his early hits, which is a very Such dark connection. Yep. Very dark, twisted kind of movie about like murderous, psychopathic type of personalities, right? Mm -hmm. And he does a lot more in that movie than just uh, drink alcohol and smoke weed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, just in the, coming from Occam's Razor sort of point of view, I just thought it was because he doesn't get into brawls. <laughs> so, mm. That's, yeah. really. That's another way to look at it. I just think it was a terrible joke. It was it was a terrible attempt at a really bad joke. Well, and you can you tell because nobody laughed. You say that, and and I'm like having a flashback again. I think this was like the first or second or maybe third WTF forum, which none of you, I'm sorry to say, were there. Um, it was an entirely different group. But I pointed out the fact that I am halfway convinced that every single word of this monologue is very intentional and that it was borderline off script. I think he had a script and he stuck to it maybe 70%, but he threw some weird shit in there and perhaps he was trying to say something with it. Like I said, almost in code. Okay. So I was wondering if that was one of the things that you thought was code. So that answered that question. Now at the end of this, are you going to tell us what you think it was code for? Or do you know, do you have thoughts? I don't know. Or I, okay. I don't know. I don't know. It yeah. just seems, it seems out of place and therefore it raises my hackles. Right? Yes. I don't disagree with that. And I'll tell you, there's something else that it brought to my mind. Now I'm not sure why, or maybe it's not related at all. 
but in a lot of the occult symbolism that you see in television shows and movies, there's a bloody handprint. There's a mm. lot of bloody handprint imagery. For example, um, Tom Hanks' uh, castaway, Wilson, the volleyball, mm. bloody handprint. But that's not the only instance. Like there's several, uh, that several times that I have seen that, not even searching for it. So I don't know. Something about that kind of made me think of that. Covered in blood. It is a weird, it is weird. I don't know. Well, and Ando mentioned something in the comments here. He says, Woody is best friends with RFK Jr. Meanwhile, Woody's dad killed, potentially killed John F. Kennedy. And I will also say that RFK Jr. had an ex-wife that committed suicide. So that's a weird death in that uh, sphere as well. Well, and it's one more example of of my forum. Not my forum. I apologize for even saying that. Our forum being one step ahead of me. Okay. I do have an RFK slash Woody Harrelson clip coming up. Um, but before we play on any any more thoughts, I feel like maybe Drizzle has something to offer here. No, no, I don't. I I just think it was a even even going back and listening to it again now with some separation from when mm-hmm. it happened, it still sounds to me, at least at the beginning, like a very hastily put together, poorly written monologue to eat up about six minutes. You might be right. I mean, you might be right. Mm. I don't yeah, mean to overanalyze. The, the other part of it is it's in his delivery, right? It's not even so much what he says that I find to be so off-putting. It, it's literally his delivery. It's very half-hearted. It's very, I just need to get this out mm. and, and keep going on to the next thing. It's nowhere near uh, the level of talent that this man is capable of. It's not very polished. I'll give you that. Not at all. I would agree. But again, it's almost like, well, then why throw certain things in there? Right. If it was hastily put together, like why say some of these things? I don't know. There's Maybe certain he things. Didn't write it. Who well, knows? Again, that's why I, my theory, and it was my theory a year ago covering this, that he has a script, but he occasionally is going off of it, which would partially explain almost the awkwardness of the delivery if he's if he's interjecting into someone else's script certain little things yeah it's unrehearsed yes yeah and he even sounds a little stiff maybe even a little bit nervous i don't Mm. know it's it's hard to tell but i did get a little definitely the stiffness and the not the best delivery vibe but then i was thinking maybe he is a little nervous as well um but to Drizzle's point, and uh, as the author Stephen King will sometimes put in his books, sometimes a smoke is just a smoke. Welcome to Rise. Yeah. Well, and I think partly he might be nervous because he's working up to the punchline, which he intends to deliver and is about to in another couple of minutes. Um, but I almost think his brain is four steps ahead of his mouth. I um, tend to think that 
because it's on mainstream television with huge audiences, nothing that's generally there's nothing that's accidental, like very, very rare. It's always there for a reason. But um, I do wonder sometimes whether this is a perfect example, whether live things, maybe it might throw the deliverer a little bit. Perhaps there are some very last minute, like really last minute insertions, just this is the narrative, get it in there no matter what sort of thing, which is pretty much what we've been talking about. But that would really throw an actor and it would be sort of, they'd be battling internally, wouldn't they? Yeah. It's like, I don't really want yeah. to do this, but I have to. And especially for someone like him, who's used to having takes going into a live shoot situation where things like that happen every week mm. to the people that work on the show every week, they're used to it. Yeah. 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 And actually, uh, and before we move on, this made me think of, Dave Chappelle's monologue after Kanye West, because I was curious about, you know, he said some borderline, you know, maybe, maybe he was expressing his real opinion. I, I don't know. I do think that sometimes there is maybe a little bit of flexibility when they are live like this. If maybe sometimes they really do say what they think, if this is like their last chance to actually do it, I don't know. No, hard, hard there, to say. no, unfortunately still... there's no flexibility with live network television. It's on a tape delay. Yes, so if just... they oh, get okay. anything comes out of their mouth that is not approved by the network, it will get yanked. They're pulling it. Yep. Gotcha. But yeah. I believe it's a 17 second delay these days. In the old days, it used to be seven. But now, now I think, I don't know whether they did expand yeah. it. Maybe that's different It just countries. keeps getting longer and longer. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, um, hence, hence the question of based or bogus, right? Yeah. Sorry, Stella, go ahead. No, that's all right. I can't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> Keep going. Well, I think we should play it on um, because he does get to the punchline, if you will. Um, and again, like it's kind of hard to believe that this would have been allowed. Could be controlled op, could be whatever. Um, I, I like Woody Harrelson. I like a lot of his movies. I want to think, you know, he is a self-proclaimed anarchist. And he has been for a very long time, right? But the history of his father makes things a little suspect. If his dad was a CIA asset, who's to say he isn't? Um, at the same time, I don't know. You know, I'm not going to hold a, a father's sins against his son. Uh, but yeah, let's play it on. There's just so much to this clip that is mysterious and worth kind of considering. Um, there's a lot of characters like that. It's okay to like them, just maybe don't trust them. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Together, and I'm sticking with it till after the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, last week in Austin, I was talking with my friend Nick, and we have a lot in common. He wrote True Detective, and I was in True Detective. I'm vegan, and all the animals he eats are vegan. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, I was complaining about how I start smoking around noon and get progressively dumber as the day unfolds. Forget basic words, simple objects, e, t, cetera. And I, I was hoping that the wifey poo might say, oh no, that's not true. But instead she says, at least you're aware of it. <laughs> and I say, well, that, that doesn't feel like much consolation. And she says, 
Think of all the dumb people who don't know they're dumb. You're ahead of them. <laughs> Thanks, hon. Uh, but on top of the herb, I'm a wee bit of a, a wee bit of a drinker. I don't know why I went Irish there. Right, anyway, but, but in a personal triumph, last year, I had seven months with no alcohol. And five glorious months. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, oh yeah, I was telling you about that script. So uh, I blaze a fatty, which, uh, you know, I, I got in L.A. at, at my dispensary, The Woods. Anybody else notice that? He just did a bit from one of his characters. What, the Irish thing or what? No, 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 no. It was the, let's see, go back to, go back to three minutes and 10 seconds. That's good. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, oh yeah, I was telling you about right that script. I, I swear to God, that was, that was pure Mickey Knox. Is that uh, the hand movement? Do you mean or the mouth? No, no. Is Mickey, the, is Mickey Knox? The, King, is that yeah, the, the mouth, the facial expression, the the looking down the nose at you? Right. Yeah. What what movie? What movie? Kingpin. Natural or? Born Killers. Oh, Natural Born Killers. Hmm. Yeah. I did actually notice that moment, but because I don't watch movies, I didn't relate it to a character or a movie. But I did twig to hmm, that was yeah. a little strange. No, that was that mannerism, that that whole body movement was pure mickey knox now Which, keep in know, mind is, is I, I was just going to say keep in mind that um a character being played by an actor is going to still be mostly the actor yes right? and so also, the mannerisms are they original to woody or are they original well, to the act or to the character i don't that's know that's that's a good question because the character was a psychopath mm-hmm. mm, okay that's interesting because i didn't know that but I, I would imagine that um, it probably wouldn't be that unusual to for a comedian to go back to a character because he'd probably think the audience is with me. They've probably seen my movie. So a little bit of a ref reference. I don't find that unusual. But, yeah, that little connection with the psychopath is a little strange. But, yeah, I saw it. Didn't know what it was. Well, keep in mind that his father is a convicted murderer. That's why I will never trust him. <laughs> Because it's sort yeah. of like the you know the engineering the the Tavistock or the you know these people are the children of you know people who are basically elites or workers for the elites or in the narrative you know what I mean the club so these are all children of those people like the Jim Morrison's of the world etc 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 now Moral what Canyon, all that what's interesting is that Woody Harrelson does not deny that his father was a killer. But he has been on camera professing that he believes his dad was not, in fact, guilty for the crime in which he was convicted of. Which I find interesting, okay? Why deny one crime while admitting to another? His dad well, has, has confessed to killing JFK, yet claims innocence in killing the judge which he was convicted of killing i can sort of see two things there because if as much as we love him and i do too woody harrelson we don't know could be placed there you know as one of the uh judas goats 
<laughs> um, to, you know, get the crowd. I mean, he's a comedian. He wouldn't have anything to do with this narrative thing, you know, that kind of thing. Trust me, I'm lovable, I'm likeable, I do great mo- movies, etc. So no one's really going to suspect him. And then the other thing is just to, again, muddy the waters and create confusion and, oh, no, 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 it wasn't like that, but you can trust me or whatever. You know, it's just, it could be part of the play, most likely. <laughs> Should we go on? Sure. Go for it. So uh, I blazed a fatty, which, uh, you know, I, I got in L.A. At, at my dispensary, the woods. I mean, obviously, I didn't <laughs> transport the herb from California <laughs> to New York because that's highly illegal. <laughs> my manager, Jeremy, did. Yeah. <laughs> he, he muled it from L.A. Uh, yeah, he's speaking of Jeremy. He's here tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's newly single, ladies. Very handsome. I know he would prefer <laughs> that I talk about our movie Champions. It's coming out in two weeks. Yeah. Comedic masterpiece, but I'm not here to sell champions. It's, it sells itself. Projections, projections have it making more than Avatar, but whatever. I'm no salesman. You know, I don't, uh, where was I? Yeah, okay. No, so three years ago, Central Park, Sunday morning, the Lord's Day, trying to resist the temptation to puff too early in the day. Of course, I succumbed. Like a lot of people, I have a devil on one shoulder, and on the other shoulder, I have a larger, more frightening devil. And there's a battle going on in here. You know, I, I'm just, I'm just saying that I am many different things. Interesting statement. Yes. I am many different things. I have an angel on one shoulder and a larger, more frightening angel on the other. No, um, no, he has a devil on one shoulder correct. and a f- more frightening, right. larger devil on the Is other. Is that what he said? Is yeah, that that's exactly devils, what yeah. he said? Holy shit. Choice okay. between the lesser of two evils. Lesser of two mm. evils. Interesting. Wow. Hiding in plain sight. I, I, you know, to me, like that was secondary to the statement of I am many different things. I am legion and I am many. Straight from the Bible. Interesting. Just made me think of that. Not saying there's a connection, but God, I like. I don't want to not like this guy. But you know what? You know what it reminds me of. Fucking what's his face? Um, Oliver, fucking Anthony. Oliver, fucking Anthony. I I want to (laughs) like this guy. I want to like this guy. Why do I want to like this guy? Well, you can like him, just don't trust him. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Just a thought. Yeah. All right, let's go on. Anarchist marks. Mark- okay, wait, wait, wait. We're going to. Okay, pause. Pause. Okay, he's about to list off all the things that he is. <laughs> all the things that he is. Battle going on in here. You know, I, I'm just I'm just saying that I am many hold up. different Rewind. things. Anarchist. Yeah. 
You want to go back a bit more? I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just I I take issue with those first two things because anarchist how can Marxist? you be an anarchist and a Marxist Good at question. the same time? That's cognitive dissonance. True that. Straight up. Uh, a devil on one shoulder and a bigger devil on the other. I don't know. I think we're just hearing it's, from the little one at the moment. Maybe maybe he's part based and part bogus. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he's maybe he <laughs> is controlled. Maybe he's maybe he's a fucking asset and he doesn't even fucking know it. Yeah, maybe he's an MK Ultra baby. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Fucking Very possible. A. Yes. Fucking Listen, a. these people that are at you know, these high up levels, I have no doubt that they are perfectly willing to sacrifice their children for the cause. Um, so I absolutely would be surprised. They have done it historically. Yes. Yeah. There's no question of that. Like there is documentation that the nobility would routinely offer up their firstborn as a sacrifice. Yes. 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 The inversion of the Bible. And we, we had a, we had a interesting comment from Western civilization. He seems to be a hair Christ phobic. When he talked about the Lord's day, he said it almost with a, a tone of sarcasm and we also had a good comment from ando this is what based or bogus is for a fucking men ando he also said we should run the clip from that episode ando you'll have to clarify i'm not sure what you're referring to what episode of what um can i just point out as well that i did notice that in the background the guitarist that young lady there on the right Mm-hmm. Off screen, um, she just looks like she's heard it all before. It's been rehearsed. She knows exactly what's coming next. That's just my impression. She hasn't really laughed at anything, so it's just mm-hmm. to me, it's like, hmm, I think you've heard. Well, again, this. I, I almost, I almost feel like I can sense when he's on script and when he's off script. Like there, there are portions that feel rehearsed, and there are portions that feel forced and awkward. And um, so, I'm still convinced that he might be towing the line about you know what he's supposed to say versus what he is wanting to say or what someone wants him to say um Uh, we also i'll just say real quick um whoops western civilization he would send super chats if they were turned on we got to get to 500 subscribers otherwise we cannot accept super chats um but we're working on it man spread the word uh we already did this. I know, Ando. We're bringing it back a year later. I'm sorry. It's a complete rerun. It never rerun. hurts to look at something with fresh eyes. <laughs> it's a complete yeah, rerun, great. Mike. Yeah, I know. But but there have been um, developments in the Woody Harrelson story. So, yeah. Sorry. I feel like I cut people off there. Who wants to say what? Go ahead. It's a tapestry, man. Let Mike weave his tapestry. <laughs> It's a rich tapestry, and Ando, you of all people should know that. It's a big <laughs> tapestry, and we ain't in it. <laughs> also, we have a record number of viewers, seven. Woohoo! So, hell yeah. That's a good number. <laughs> all right, let's go on. Ando, I know it's a bit of a rerun, bro. It's a bit of a rerun, but we're going to take, we're going to, you know, have more to add. Sunday morning, the Lord's Day. Trying to resist the temptation to puff too early in the day. Of course, I succumbed 
Like a lot of people, I have a devil on one shoulder, and on the other shoulder, I have a larger, more frightening devil. And there's a battle going on in here, you know? I'm I'm just saying that I am many different things. Anarchist, Marxist, Marxist, ethical, hedonist, non-discriminatory empath, epistemological deconstructionist, Texan. (laughs) But back to the tree in Central Park in that script. Put yourselves in my place, lay the curve of your neck against the roots of the tree. What, What kind of tree was it? I mean, what kind of trees they have in Central Park? Life can get tough. Okay, weird. Um, I guess that's the end. Or no, what the fuck? They put this weird interlude in here. But he says that it's a like a pine tree or a, what that's is a palm tree? Palm tree, which makes no fucking sense. Again, I like I think this dude's speaking in code here, bro. There's no palm trees in Central Park. Palm trees have some significance with child business, diddly mm-hmm. things. I believe. I have read it before. Can't clarify. It's a very weird statement. It has no place. It has no place. And yes, I know, Ando, it's a complete rerun. I pointed this out a year ago, but they're, you know, I'm it's so weird, man. Well, he also noticed there with that um uh that list, that string of uh I don't know, ideal ideologies or whatever you want to want to call it he was doing a deliberate juxtaposition of opposites almost as if to take like the very long way around and saying that he's a man of contradictions right Mm, interesting yeah Yeah. he's a walking contradiction yeah epistemological deconstructionist is an interesting thing to call yourself it's almost like making it just it's it's normal to think like this it's okay people (laughs) interesting statement western civilization not everyone took a plane to the island yep (laughs) tunnels or boats boats yeah yeah okay here we go oh yeah it was a palm tree (laughs) so lay lay your head on the palm fire up a hooter from jeremy (laughs) and start reading okay so the movie goes like this The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes. And people can only come out if they take the cartels drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is going to believe that crazy idea (laughs) being forced to do drugs? I do that voluntarily all day long. Anyway, it's about that time. Okay, okay. Interesting that we were talking about the 17-second delay, right? So the very end of his monologue, he tries to cram a whole lot in in about 20 seconds. Taking them over and over. And buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes And people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. I don't know. I think this is maybe off script. What do you what do you think? I don't know. It it might be off script and yet on someone else's script. 
controlled opposition, what have you. But this is this is what went viral. And again, it's almost like the um, what you might call the uh, Oliver Anthony effect. It appeals to a certain group, chiefly us. Wait, wait, why does it appeal to us? Because it's actually insulting us. Saying mean? that people who believe in uh, this complex of a conspiracy probably have something wrong with them because it's not even it's not even believable for an actor. Hmm. Well, it seems to that me was that what I always got from it. I, I thought he was trying to point out the legitimacy of the question of the cartel, the, the so, pharmaceutical cartel. Yeah. He's done his job, hasn't he? Because here we are sitting here in confusion as to what exactly he's trying to say. So perfect. Mm. Well done, Woody. Yeah. And what I thought at the time, I mean, I thought to myself, he probably does think that. Like maybe there's a handful of people that think that it's finally being allowed in public discourse to have that opinion. That's what I thought at the time. I hadn't really thought that much about it since then, since now. And there's a lot more that we've brought up about, is it for confusion purposes? Is it sort some sort of a weird occult communication purposes? What, what really is the deal here? But originally I just thought he may feel this way. He may not, he might be an op, but it's finally being allowed to have this opinion in mainstream because of X, Y, or Z. Like maybe they're ready to move on to other things. We know that they were ready to move on to other things. Um, maybe they want to get people fighting again. Like it, it was hard to tell, but that was my original line of, of thinking. You know, something I found interesting was his um, earlier statement about being proud of being like sober for seven months and then having five glorious months of not being sober. And uh, Stella Q pointed out in the private chat, is he drunk? Like he kind of sounds like he's slurring, which for a guy like me is a total fucking hypocritical thing to even point out because I'm sitting here half drunk slurring. But, <laughs> um, but at least I'm not like on SNL trying to sway the public, you know, one way or the other. Yeah. But, you know, uh, no, you got a point like he he almost does seem halfway intoxicated. Mm -hmm. he, he claims that he wasn't stoned like he's like, oh, I, I I'm I'm not stoned, but that's I'm bullshit because I just listened to him talk about he got a bag from his manager who's right, right. over there in the audience. Yeah. So well, I he made it. He's at least a little bit high. He made a joke about like <laughs> I'm I'm not stoned, but I will be right after the show. He said that at one point. We kind of I think we interrupted. And it, but, he just yeah. finished saying that he smokes all day, so whatever. But um, right. my next question was going to be: Has he ever had a stroke? Hmm. Not I don't think so. Of. I know of. Right, okay. Not that, that I ever heard. Actually, in pretty good shape. Right. That was oh, the frankly, only other reason that I thought maybe he might have a little bit of a slur. That's all. Frankly, I think that's just kind of his voice, you know. Um, I haven't seen he, him for years, so I don't know what normal Woody is these days. Well, maybe for reference. That's about as close to normal Woody as you can get from we can, from what we can, I can remember. Yeah, I don't remember him ever having a slur, though, like a speech impediment. No, or but he he's always had a drawl. Yeah, mm. yeah. 
which yeah. some people, you know, depending on on what dialects you grew up around, some people could hear that as a slur. I could I could see that happening. Yeah. Okay. Yep. This is further back in time, um, so you can compare his voice. But this is where he basically is talking about his dad. This is very short. Oh, um, to Barbara. Who's who's this? Barbara. Barbara Wawala. Barbara Wawala. <laughs> because she always sounded like she because yeah. she was speaking exactly well, that was like how what they, Scribble was saying. Yeah. That, and that was how they imitated her on Saturday Night Live back yeah. in the day. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm staying with the theme. Do it again. Do it again. Barbara Wawala. <laughs> It's pretty good. All right. No, this this is kind of this is kind of cool. I don't know. He uh I feel like maybe this is kind of an honest moment, but I guess we'll see what you think. It's uh, fairly well known if anybody's read anything about you or talked with you that when you were 7 years old, your father went off to prison convicted of murder. Tell me how you feel today, what the story is today. Well, he is in prison right now for uh, the killing of a federal judge. Um, I think that it was not a fair uh, trial, especially because the guy who supposedly hired my father to commit the murder was uh, later acquitted on a retrial. Woody, do you think your father is innocent of that second murder? That's what I've heard. I'm not saying my father's a saint, but I think he's innocent of that. Yeah. Are you trying to have the case opened up, trying to have it investigated, trying to set him free? Well, um, let's put it this way. I haven't given up hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You said once that you thought that your father was a CIA operative. Yes? Yeah, he was. How do you know? What proof? Uh, see, I shouldn't get into this right now. Okay. This is where we're going to get into trouble. Uh, but this is something that you feel and that you're trying to work on? Oh, I know it's true, but, uh, you know. Does it make a difference? That he was trained by the CIA? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it makes a difference. Yeah. I don't know. I don't either. Kind of what seemed like he was acting to me, but what do okay. I know? Okay. Yes. So see, that's what I was going to say. And um, this may be, I felt like there was some vulnerability there on his part. Maybe he was acting, but mm. if he was, I think he was doing an amazing job. I really felt like he had the perfect reaction at the perfect time of what I, because I'm very sensitive to this stuff. So like awkward questions and an awkward, the exchanges between people. I've, if he was acting, he fucking nailed it. My opinion. Well, he is a great actor, so it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he nailed it. I mean, I assume you're probably referring mostly to the sideways eye shift. Like yes. the thing where he's like, oh, are you really going to go there, Barbara? But I have no doubt. The fluctuations was... in breath and, and mm. tone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the little pause, perfectly mm -hmm. timed pause. As 100%. We'll just, 100%. From, from somebody Perfectly. who has been on a stage as well as in front of a camera, yes. uh, you can fake all of that shit and get 100%. people to believe it. Yep. I don't doubt that. It's been rehearsed and I don't also think, I think Barbara is also controlled. 
Like, oh, so. oh, yeah. She star. She was the okay. Stated founder the obvious again, of did I? Sorry. You <laughs> no, no, not that you stated the obvious, but we don't shit on Barbara Walters enough. How's that? <laughs> okay, yeah I, yeah, I get that impression. Love it. I'm happy to do it because I'm, you know, I'm down here. <laughs> hey, I yes, because the view is an absolute propaganda monstrosity that is still being shat out to live viewers every single day of the week it's it's really an incredible thing oh, so that's right she's on that yeah well she was now i think oh, okay. she's passed but she was one of the founders one of like the ogs of this show um and it's yeah, been around for a, a very long time yeah so and i will also say that you're not wrong that these people that are like top tier actors can definitely do this and make people believe it and i'll give you an example because they're, they made an entire Netflix production out of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, <laughs> right? So you're supposed to think that Johnny Depp is the good guy with a little question at the end. Did he really kick her? Oh, my God. Not Johnny Depp. And then Amber Heard comes off as, well, she was heavily trolled, and they called her Amber Turd, and it seemed well-earned. She seemed <laughs> awful. So... But they made an entire production out of this courtroom drama. And I'm just watching it laughing the whole time. And I was like, they're acting. And, think, and even if they weren't, how could you fucking tell? Because they're professional actors. <laughs> I think they called her Amber Turd because she shit on his bed. On his bed. Um, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mean, you, can't, you can't make that <laughs> stuff up. But maybe they did. And I hey. also believe that at the moment, like these are all professional seasoned actors that they're using, but now they, they kind of cross the line into, um, I mean, as who, who said CIA? Yeah. Brandon Shul says, I mean, this, mm -hmm. the CIA teaches some of the best actors there are. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Where do you and, think uh, Affleck that came from? Where do you think Damon came from? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And, um, you know, I always think back to Angelina Jolie and Sean Penn being in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. You know, they were there teaching Zelensky a few things, just brushing Even up. Even Ben skills. Stiller, because his father yeah, was right. connected to the intelligence community. Yeah. I mean, really? they all are. It's incredible. Yep. And, yeah. um, you know, some of these politicians, they, I, I think I've stated this before, but I'll say it again. Um, they seem to sort of disappear every now and then, like for two weeks or so at a time. And, and during the last three years, it was because they had COVID. Yeah, bullshit. They were going back, getting their drama lessons and um, getting briefed on the next bit, etc. in my opinion. Can't can't prove it. But it just seemed like it was a consistent sort of thing that seemed to happen with a lot of leaders. And I, I fully believe, even down to uh, police that hold um, press conferences after big things, they've all been taught as well. They've gone through their acting classes as well. Um, I think it, yeah, it goes down to ground level almost pretty much. Charlie um, Robinson, host of, uh, the macro aggressions podcast used to run a company that would train people for how to act when you're in front really? of the camera doing whatever it is that you're going to be doing mm -hmm. for your industry. So did yeah, you I mean, feel like that was sus drizzle? What? Charlie Robinson. No, what I'm saying okay. is Charlie Robinson, who is, I, I feel, is very much a part of our greater community, right. ran a business that did the exact thing that you're talking about, prepared gotcha. people for going in front of the camera to deliver whatever message mm -hmm. it was that needed to be delivered and do it in an effective manner. 
Okay. They have to because they're not, if, when they're running a narrative, they cannot afford for people to not be controlled um, and go rogue, you know, so they have to be controlled um, down to the point of each mannerism because they know there's people like us sitting there watching every move they make and every eye movement and every pause and et cetera, ripping yeah. them to shreds. So yeah. they've got to be good. Now, now just to, to be clear, Charlie's business worked with sports media. All right. So it wasn't like geopolitical international gotcha. okay. bankers and all that sort of stuff. You know, it was, it was like people going on ESPN, people going on Fox sports. Gotcha. Who are also controlled. You know, can... So I, I, I got to point out this might, this might yes. be com comment of the night right here. The Amber Heard as a cocktail, 1.5 ounces of maker mark. Maker's Mark, excuse me, topped with whipped cream and a Tootsie Roll. <laughs> but <laughs> Western civilization, shouldn't we call it the Amber Turd? The Amber Turd, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But yes, anyway, can agree. <laughs> to circle the whole thing back around, as everybody's favorite press secretary, Jim Pasaki, would say, <laughs> I, if Harrelson was Psycho. acting, he gets the applause from me because mm. it was really damn good. Mm -hmm. you know okay so i i'm a big fan of no agenda uh the great pod father adam curry who i am gonna meet in about a week uh yeah about a week uh sunday you should invite him on i will i will or take a um, recorder with you at record some yeah of the, you know do yeah, a little I might, spot interview actually, perhaps i i i think what i want to do i'll take my handheld recorder and say hey yo Hey, Adam, can you say this is Adam Curry and you're listening to the WTF forum? <laughs> yeah, a little sound bite. That'd be nice. That would this be awesome. Podfather and, Adam Curry. Yeah. Podfather. <laughs> and, you know, like in terms of like, should we trust people or not? I tend to trust the no agenda guys. Maybe I'll be proven wrong at some point. But up to now, they have been pretty fucking steady. And they refer to RFK Jr. as Bobby the Op. That's a good one. Good handle. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a couple of... Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Stella. I was just going to say, I learned recently that there's a couple of telltales with people. Is One of them is selling prep food. <laughs> it's always a giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think they do, do they? No, they're, they're strictly value for value. Zero ads just listener contributions and the other thing is internal like within our tr our community truther or whatever i can't don't like that name but within our community bickering severe bickering mm. with another one that's another bit of a giveaway well they do bicker they're like an old married couple uh not John between C them and... not between each other i mean with oh. other podcasters who, so i to speak like like real serious bickering not like joking, like bickering fucking bullshit like ben shapiro stuff yeah that kind of sort of thing yeah. but he's yes. not in the community i'm talking gotcha. about within our community right right turning right. on each other you know well so on the note of bobby the op this is bobby the op talking about woody harrelson's dad okay which again i'm like i'm like are they simply weaving a a a story for us to consume or is there any truth to this i really don't know Thank <laughs> you. 
you know, Woody Harrelson's dad was involved in the in the assassination, and uh, and he confessed multiple. Woody times. Harrelson's dad was involved in the assassination of John F. Kennedy. He was not a shooter. He what he said his role was was bringing when the shooting started on the grass from the grassy knoll. Um, a, a, a big crowd of people saw the smoke coming up, and they ran up to look at it to see what you know what was the source of it. And Secret Service men suddenly appeared on the hill and pushed them all down and said, "You can't come up here." The Secret Service later said they there were no Secret Service people on that hill. Woody Harrelson, Charles Harrelson's function was to deliver the Secret Service badges to a group of people on the hill. What he says and what a lot of people say who were there that day um, is that they knew they did not know it was going to be assassination, that they knew there was going to be an incident, but they never imagined it would be a murder. And a lot of those people then realized that they were part of this, you know, uh, conspiracy in the death of the president. And they kind of scattered. A lot of them were subsequently murdered themselves, including the key members, Johnny Roselli, who the day that he was, um, he was the he was the liaison between the CIA and the mafia, the three mafia chiefs. The day that he was subpoenaed by the House Assassination Committee, he disappeared, was found a week later, chopped into small pieces in a, a oil drum in Biscayne Bay, Miami. Uh, and Sam Giancana, when he was uh, subpoenaed by, to testify the mob boss, the Chicago outfit boss, he was subpoenaed to testify for that committee, and he was murdered in his basement by an assassin. So there was a, there's over 30 people who were killed, who were, you know, who were witnesses or potential witnesses. And then a lot of people have confessed Woody's dad you know, was a, a very, very charismatic guy. And I'm very close to Woody, and we've talked about this. He actually confessed for the first time while he was in a, a police shootout. So he was, he was, a, he was a professional hitman. Um, he had worked for uh, the CIA. He had been recruited out of the military, worked for the CIA, and then worked for the Carlos Marcella mob. And he died in maximum security prison, um, for uh, the murder of a federal judge. But uh, you know, he was a very, very interesting character. And he confessed at one time, but then he told Woody the story, which Woody told me. And, and also, there's photographs of him at the site that day. Okay. So, I know it's really hard to listen to RFK Jr., Well, and that's just that, because he spouts so much nonsense. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like an instant sympathy too. I think true you know, that you get true. from people. It's a little sideline of that character, hmm. and, and it's of his, uh, family history. Sorry, Ash. No, you're good. It it also is interesting that we are tying in the JFK assassination, although it does permeate so much of what is happening to this day. There's um it's it's interesting too because Chuck O'Shelley, the blind JFK researcher, we just spoke with him on the unknowns, me and Stella, and well, this was a a little bit before a little while back, but basically we just had on 11, 63, the 60th anniversary of the assassination mm -hmm. of JFK and Chuck 
has dedicated his life to researching this because it matters to him personally. And of course he's interested in the subject matter, but I just find it very interesting how to this day, so much of what we discuss and who we're evaluating were, you know, either directly involved or they had family connections Mm -hmm. to that or there's political fallout from it. I mean, it's really pretty incredible. Um, And one of the things that I point out is that it it does still matter. If it didn't still matter, then you would have all information would be fully declassified and it it isn't. And that's under a Trump administration and a Biden administration and everybody that came before it. So weird. they they keep reclassifying those documents, right? Yeah. Yeah, weird stuff. And then um, in in a lot of that even will tie back to um, World War II, for example, and and other legacy families, right? You have the Bush administration being involved. You have Alan Dulles, who who was the director of the CIA, who had a falling out with JFK. And then he goes back to Wall Street. He goes back to Nazi Germany. I mean, it's it's a rich tapestry. You know, it's it was funny. I was at the bar earlier and I got talking to this guy that I know who I had no clue, but apparently he's from Ireland. He moved here when he was seven years old, so he does not sound very Irish. But as we started, we started talking about Ireland. Uh, he started sounding more and more Irish. You know, it was, it was kind of funny in that way. Uh, and he told me he's like, yeah, you know, I don't sound very Irish, but when I start talking to Irish people or about Irish people or this or that, it kind of just comes back. And um, somehow kind of out of nowhere, another guy sitting a couple chairs down from us, you know, I, I, I mentioned something about what rather he mentioned that he came from Belfast and he says, did you know that the Titanic was built in Belfast? I said, no, I did not know that. We talked a lot about the IRA and about Northern Ireland, or rather the North of Ireland, he corrected me, uh, versus the rest of Ireland, and how the North of Ireland is still a part of the EU, or rather, no, still a part of the UK. Meanwhile, the rest of Ireland is part of the EU. This was a result of uh, Brexit, right? And how the North of Ireland is on the pound. Meanwhile, the rest of Ireland is on the euro. Like wow, this is fascinating because it's subordinate to Britain. It's a soft, it's a soft border, but these are essentially two different countries. Again, we talked about the IRA, the separatist movement. He's like, yeah, like I come from a Catholic family, so most of us were kind of separatists. We were on the IRA side, this, that, and the other. And I go, I mentioned something about you know, it's kind of weird. I don't know if there's truth to it, but supposedly, like there were. Rothschilds and a few other like powerful families that had tickets to sail on the Titanic, but they didn't almost like they knew that boat was not going to make it. Um, have you all heard about this stuff? Am I talking yeah. out of my ass? There, yeah. there were members of other prominent families uh, in banking and international commerce that did sail on that voyage of the Titanic and did not return. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they, they were, were the, the ones that were legend. opposed to the Fed. Exactly, that is they, the legend. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, corroborating Morgan. evidence has been difficult to unearth to support. 
the legend. I will say so, that. So but I bring it that sounds good. I bring that up to say it's almost like people have this subconscious understanding that certain incidents, certain events are fundamentally important and intimately connected, right? And we are obsessed with them to this day, not necessarily due to a conscious understanding of why they were so important, but a subconscious understanding. And um, I, I, again, I'm going to draw back to what I'm going to dub as the Oliver Anthony phenomenon or effect or syndrome. Okay. Matt McConaughey. Right. I have been told once or twice I have a quote unquote McConaughey vibe. And I'm like, fuck you. Maybe McConaughey's got a whistler vibe. Dude, I don't think you're a douchebag at all. <laughs> fuck those people. Okay. But, but my point is you have no idea how many motherfuckers have told me, oh, you gotta read green lights. Better yet. You got to listen to green lights. This is Matt Why? McConaughey's memoir. They're like, you, you would love it. You would love it. But I've always rejected this suggestion on a gut instinct level. I'm like, if everybody's telling me to do it, first of all, I don't want to do it. You know, and it was my gut reaction sort of, well, you know, I was, I was, again, it's the Oliver, Oliver Anthony effect. Like my heart wants to like the guy. But something in my gut says it, you know, something ain't right. Something ain't right. Did they tell you why they thought you should listen to or why you should read McConaughey's book? Not specifically. They just always, you know, everybody says I would love it. I would, I would fucking love it. Right. Sure. Um, I'm like, okay, but people in this community don't regard Hollywood very highly at all. So I doubt that you would love it. Um, no, I, I think it's because people perceive me as having this like, whatever, McConaughey vibe. I'm like, no, I just like to smoke weed and I like to like mm -hmm. party a little bit and shit. But he's like selling this image of the happy-go-lucky man about yeah. town friend to everybody, yeah. right? When really he has also gotten involved in the uh, the gun control political game recently and the interesting thing about whatever green lights uh the name of the book so his <laughs> stella's getting a crumpet um she means an english muffin don't tell her i said that <laughs> um but so whenever the uvaldi shooting happened and it's i heard that uh, <laughs> damn it <laughs> um there is a whole Here's the other weird thing. In some of these mass shootings, there's there's things that come up about the shoes, right? Even in World War II, you see the shoes. And then in Uvalde, you see the shoes. And it was green converse. Green converse. Green lights. And then he and his wife, Camilla, were going to the, ho to the White House to speak about um, this, I guess, because they're suddenly like gun control experts or something and school shooting experts. And she's wearing well, he green from that Converse. And he's famous. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, it's just a weird thing, 
right? Like that, that this would happen, the Uvalde thing would happen and that he's trying to make his entree into the political world as like, oh, I'm just your down home libertarian guy, everybody. I'm cool. Let's have some beer. All right. All right. All right. You know, is just, he an anarcho Marxist perchance? <laughs> probably. I mean, he's uh -huh. buddies with, he is buddies with Woody. He might I'm be sure more than many things. He might be more <laughs> yeah. than buddies with Woody, and we're getting there. No doubt. Okay. I was go good. I, I'm glad you said that, Mike, because I was about to say something, but we're now I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to shut up. We're getting there. Yeah. So, well, that was pretty much my whole thing, too, is just that there's all of these interesting little woven connections, all of the from so far back to the current day show that we're being shown so there are rumors basically perpetuated by woody harrelson and matthew mcconaughey that they may in fact be half brothers have you heard this Never heard it. Okay. So Ando said True Detective. That is the show that they did on HBO mm -hmm. together, season one, which was actually a good show. Um, yeah. Some of the and I will also I just ever made. Say that again. And I said uh, it was some of the finest television ever made. Agreed. And I'm, I actually mentioned it a week or two ago talking about the um, murders that happened here in Indiana that have a very glaring sort of um parallel like they they seem very similar to that first season of true detective kind of ritualistic that, the ritualistic um mm -hmm. satanistic kind of uh, the, yeah murder yeah the college student who thought he was so smart this he was like obsessed with true crime is that the ones that you're talking about no true detective it's an hbo show it's actually the first season is incredible it's worth watching Oh, um, no, I watched that. That was incredible. But I was talking about the murders in Indiana that you were talking about. Was that the guy who was like this, you know, maybe a master's student or something like that? And he killed all these college students? No, no, okay. you're thinking of the wrong thing. This is something that's um, we can cover it <laughs> more in depth. But, you know, just because I feel awkward about it because it's been up so long, I'm just going to uh, acknowledge yes. that. Thank you, Brandon. I don't know if you're into me, but he says Mike is way more handsome than Matt. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> Mick, whatever the fuck. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Um, but no, um, the, the plot of True Detective parallels these murders that happened in um, Delphi, Indiana where apparently two teenage girls were like ritualistically murdered and like displayed. And there's um, like Nordic uh, Odinist symbology involved in the way that these bodies were displayed. It's very similar to the plot of the first season oh. of True Detective. Whoa. And um, the, the reason it's like it, this happened back in like 2014, but the trials are happening currently and there's a guy who is the prime suspect and who is being tried for these murders who's claiming that he's being set up by an Odinist cult. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. Can I say something on that? I just Please. walked in at the very end when you were talking about how good looking you are. And, um, <laughs> but uh, I heard you say something about Delphi, and that's obviously a place in America, yeah? Indiana, yeah. Right, Indiana. 
it, it, I just find it fascinating that time after time after time, there's so many places that are, that are named after like either biblical places, or like Delphi is a place in Greece. Correct. Um, it's where the oracle was. Yes, that's right. And um, then all these strange things happen in those particular places. Like why isn't it, you know, upper, you know, up, well, I don't know, I can't think of any <laughs> American towns, but they've always got kind of like, um, you know, the Ohio uh, – Palestine, East Palestine or something, the yep. Ohio yep. train crash. The train derailment, yep. Yeah. Well, to be fair, a lot of towns and in the And then look what's the happening US to Palestine. Are, a lot of towns in the in the United States are named after biblical and or other towns. I know, but I'm not saying that um, there's anything sus about them the being named because it's the same with Australia. We're, we're named but as far as, as, far as Where they where choose events, the location, yeah. yeah. Where events take place, yeah. It's just, yeah. I just find it interesting. <laughs> Mm-hmm. any more thoughts i'm gonna play this uh this is where woody says some some interesting things about him and his uh his dear dear friend matt i'm here for <laughs> it okay well woody uh good one what good one thank you <laughs> you've been you've been in the news lately because your true detective star uh, co-star matthew mcconaughey said he said Woody Harrelson could be his half-brother, okay, that you guys might uh, share a father. What is that story? What, what is, what's going on? Well, I'll just say there is some veracity to that uh, uh, thought because uh, we, we talked to Momak, uh, Matthew's legitimate mother, and uh, she let us know <laughs> one time. We, we were actually... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a, it's crazy. Sure. We were in Greece. We were watching the, uh, uh, you know, the U.S. team win the World Cup. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mentioned something about regrets. And I said, you know, it's odd that my father has no regrets. And, and I've known Mamak a long time, you know. And she's, she goes, I knew your father. <laughs> And it was the ellipses I found a little troubling. <laughs> the pause. Or interesting. The pause. Yeah. That Almost. I knew how would your you father. How would you describe that pause as, as a... Filled with innuendo. A, pre- a pregnant pause, perhaps. A pre- <laughs> yeah. So wait a second. Wait, wait a second. Is, this what, is there a possibility? When did... When, how, how old are you, Frando? What? How old? In the year of your birth, or nine months before the year of your birth, is that when she... Uh, no, the, the year of his birth. Oh, nine his, months before. Oh, his birth, right, right, she right. She had, you Matt. know, she, she was on a sabbatical from her relationship with... Uh, Dad Mac? His supposed father. <laughs> Jim. Well, now, now, the his... thing is, like, we want to go and, you know, test, but for him, it's a much more big deal. I mean, he, he feels like he's losing a father, but I'm like, no, you're gaining a different father and a brother. <laughs> People have been looking at these photos and going, yeah, I'll buy it. I'll buy half-brother. <laughs> Justin, what are your... <laughs> I mean... That's the old co-star. You're the new co-star. How do you feel about this it's news? It's weird. You know, everyone, before you work with Woody, says, like, oh, you're going to love him. He's so great. You know, you guys are going to be total bros. Blah, blah. And it's true. You kind of fall in love a little bit with Woody when you work with him. <laughs> and I kind of want to be the brother, too. <laughs> and it's not really working out. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
I mean, like, I'm sorry, but I am I am halfway convinced. I mean, just look at look at these two motherfuckers. <laughs> look at them. Okay. I mean, look at these guys. Come on. They look yeah. like fucking brothers, okay? They at least do. half brothers or something. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. Look at the fucking nose. Look at the fucking nose. Oh, yeah. And yeah, should yeah. I pull up a picture of their fucking It's similar. Father? It's not the same. It's, I don't Very know. similar. <laughs> Arles, okay, Harold. I, I uh, will the say... The jaw lines are different. The hairlines are different. The chins are similar. Different. I will say that I think that Matt McConaughey did have hair plugs or, you know, hair transplant, whatever you want to call that. No, so that perhaps, wouldn't surprise me. Right. So if he was balding, then it may be even a little bit more obvious. I mean, he started balding, but it's hard to tell now. I don't know. It's it, okay. Again, like, is this just the story they're feeding us? I don't know. I don't know, but it's convincing. You know. you know, I was just looking up uh, the Charles Harrison, just looking at a few little things. There was one photo. <clears throat> I don't know if you want to pull it up. I'll try to find it again. I've closed it. But there was one sure. photo of his father that I just immediately, when I saw it, I just thought, he looks like an actor. So I'm wondering if, like, he is being put there to be a supposed hitman and he's really got nothing. He's just a placed dude, you know. He Supposedly does have a distinctive look. Doesn't he? Mm, yeah. yeah. Supposedly he was an encyclopedia salesman. Um, it was a popular job back in the day, from what yeah. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I was a magazine salesman at one point, so you know, it's not beyond the uh, uh, the stretch of possibility. I'll put that in the private chat. It's just the image because the actual article is behind a paywall. Well, uh, let's maybe learn a thing or two about, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but Charles Harrelson. The first U.S. federal judge assassinated in the 20th century was the Honorable John H. Wood Jr. of Texas. His killer, Charles Void Harrelson, would eventually receive two life sentences for the crime. Charles is also the father of actor Woody Harrelson. Today, we're going to take a look at Charles Harrelson, encyclopedia salesman, hitman, and father of Woody Harrelson. But before we get started, be sure to subscribe to the Weird History channel. After that, please leave a comment and let us know what other true crime-related topics you would like to hear about. Okay, time to meet Woody's dad. Charles Harrelson was born in the town of Lovelady, Texas, on July 23, 1938. When he was old enough, he enlisted in the United States Navy and continued to serve until 1959. After being discharged, he moved to Los Angeles, where he worked multiple jobs, including encyclopedia salesman and professional gambler. He also met Diane Lou Oswald, the woman who would become his wife. During this time, Charles began a steady descent into what would become a life of crime. He would be arrested for the first time at the age of 21, and by the age of 35, he would be serving his first stretch in prison. Charles and Diane eventually moved to Houston, Texas, where they had three boys, Woody, Brett and Jordan. The family, however, wouldn't last. Charles divorced Diane in 1965 and married his next wife, Betty. Things got worse from there. Charles kept gambling and wound up in debt to several organized crime outfits. Then in 1968, he was arrested for armed robbery. The charges wouldn't stick and Charles wouldn't stick around. He abandoned his family and disappeared into the criminal underworld. 
Woody was in elementary school at the time. Despite being so young, he knew his father had serious problems. Years later, the actor would recall in interviews that even prior to his parents' separation, his father was constantly in and out of jail and was rarely around. In order to pay off the considerable gambling debts he had accumulated, Charles Harrelson became a hired hitman. His first alleged hit came in 1958, and the target was Alan Berg, a carpet salesman from the Houston area. This killing, which would later be the subject of the book Run, Brother, Run, A Memoir of a Murder in My Family by Berg's brother David, was allegedly contracted by a business rival for the price of $1,500. In his book, David Berg alleges that Charles used his then-girlfriend, Sandra Sue Attaway, to lure Allen into a car where Harrelson then ambushed him. Allen was forced at gunpoint to drive to a remote location where Harrelson shot him in the head. Then, just to be sure the job was done, Harrelson strangled the wounded man. In 1970, Charles was put on trial for the murder of Allen Berg. During the trial, his lawyer called several alibi witnesses who must have convinced the jury because Harrelson was acquitted. David Berg, in the years since, has disputed this testimony and steadfastly maintained that Charles Harrelson was his brother's killer. Pete Thomas Scamardo was a grain broker who also happened to run a drug smuggling business. His partner in that heroin business was one Sam DeGalia Jr. But when Sam lost a large shipment during a traffic stop in Kansas City, Pete decided to end the partnership. To this end, Scamardo paid Charles Harrelson $2,000 to bump off DeGalia. Charles was arrested for the crime, and at the trial, he was represented by famed defense attorney Percy Foreman. The lawyer found a nightclub singer who was willing to testify that Charles was with her at the time of the murders. The jury hung, and Charles was granted a retrial. The retrial would go... differently. Seeking to avoid a charge of perjury, the nightclub singer fled the country and wasn't available to testify a second time. Without her, Charles's defense fell apart, and he was convicted. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison, but only wound up serving five thanks to earning time off for good behavior. After Charles Harrelson had abandoned his family... Woody, his mother, and siblings moved to Lebanon, Ohio. Along with his brothers, young Woody had absolutely no contact with his father after 1968. In fact, it wouldn't be until 1973 that the future natural-born killer star would learn about his father's trial for the Degelia murder. According to Woody, he found out from the radio. He was in a car waiting for a friend of his mother who was picking him up from school when he overheard a news report about Charles V. Harrelson and his trial for murder. The 12-year-old boy figured there probably weren't two men with that name, so it must be his father. He would later describe it as a wild realization. Charles Harrelson spent the years 1973 through 1978 serving time in prison for the Degelia homicide. After being released, it didn't take long for him to get back to his old tricks. In 1979, Jamil Jimmy Chagra was a drug lord and a member of the Dixie Mafia. He was also on trial for trafficking and facing a potentially long sentence. As if that wasn't bad enough, the federal judge presiding over his trial was John H. Wood Jr., who was known by the nickname Maximum John. If you guessed he got that nickname from always handing out maximum sentences, you're one clever cookie, and you understand why Jimmy decided the judge had to be whacked before the trial ended. For the price of $250,000, Chagra hired Charles Harrelson to eliminate Judge Wood. 
On Tuesday, May 29, 1970, in San Antonio, Texas, Judge Wood was walking out of his house to head for work when he noticed his car had a flat tire. As he bent down to examine the flat, Charles Harrelson approached and shot him in the back of the skull with a high-powered rifle. Wood perished instantly, making him the first federal judge to be assassinated in the 20th century. Costing over $11 million, the investigation into the murder of Judge Wood was the most expensive of its kind in FBI history. There was no physical evidence that pointed to who the shooter might be, but investigators had their eye on Jimmy Chagra. Even with Judge Wood dead, Chagra was facing 30 years in prison for drug trafficking. After recording over a thousand separate conversations Chagra had in his jail cell, the FBI pieced together what happened. Charles Harrelson's trial lasted 40 days and included the presentation of 130 witnesses and over 300 exhibits. When all was said and done, he was convicted and sentenced to two consecutive life sentences for the murder, plus an additional five years. At the same time, his then-wife, Joanne Harrelson, was sentenced to 25 years for conspiracy. Turns out she had purchased the murder weapon for Charles under an assumed name. By the way, Jimmy Chagra, the man who started it all, he was acquitted. And justice for all. Hmm. In his life, Charles Harrelson was tried for three contract killings and convicted of two. However, if you believe the man himself, that's just the tip of a very scary iceberg. Harrelson claims to have killed somewhere in the neighborhood of 50, <coughs> yes, 50, five, zero people on behalf of various organized crime figures. That's a lot of people. Despite the confession, not everyone believes him. While serving time for the killing of Judge Wood, Charles sent a letter to a man named Kenny Gallo, a former mob associate who, at the time, was hiding via the FBI witness relocation program. Harrelson told Gallo that he was planning to write a book that would reveal the truth behind all of his crimes. However, the ex-mobster wasn't convinced. According to Gallo, Harrelson likely killed more than two people, but nowhere near 50. He said Charles may have been involved in that many killings, maybe driving the car or something, but he only carried out maybe six killings himself. If Gallo was skeptical, it might be because Harrelson had a habit of confessing to things he didn't do. For example... In 1980, after a standoff with the police, Charles Harrelson was arrested for the murder of Judge Wood. During that standoff, Charles amazingly confessed to the police that he was, in fact, the true assassin of President John F. Kennedy. Of course, he was high out of his mind on cocaine at the time, so take it for what it's worth. We've all been there, right? Law enforcement, for their part, didn't buy it, and Charles himself later admitted it was just a lie he hoped would incentivize the police not to shoot him on the spot. A 1988 documentary about the Kennedy assassination features an interview with Harrelson, in which he explains he wasn't even in Dallas on the day Kennedy died. He was in Houston. Despite these retractions, there are those who still believe his initial confession. The character Woody Boyd from Cheers came from the town of Hanover, Indiana. The actor Woody Harrelson went to school at Indiana's Hanover College, and that's where he was when he learned about his father's trial for the murder of Judge Wood. Woody was 20 years old at that point, and his father had played no role in his upbringing. Nonetheless, Woody decided to reach out to Charles. It wasn't easy, but the two men slowly began to build a relationship. And in 1987, Woody served as a proxy for Charles in his fourth marriage. In an interview with People magazine a year later, Woody said that he looked at Charles as more of a potential friend than a father, and he was still gauging whether the man merited his loyalty. 
1995, with the help from two convicted bank robbers, Charles Harrelson used makeshift ropes to scale the wall of Atlanta Federal Penitentiary. Unfortunately for Charles and his cohorts, the guards in the prison tower immediately figured out what was going on and fired a warning shot. All three convicts were quickly recaptured. As punishment, Charles was transferred to ADX Florence, a supermax prison in Florence, Colorado, known as one of the nation's most secure facilities. Strangely, Harrelson didn't mind. He may have even liked it there. In a letter to a friend, he said, The silence is wonderful, and feeling left alone is great. Nobody bothers me. Charles Harrelson would spend the rest of his life denying the slaying of Judge Wood. He insisted that on the day of the shooting, he was miles away, in Dallas. Still later, he would claim that he had been working with a professional gambler named George Kay to con Jimmy Chagra out of the $250,000 bounty by merely taking credit for the killing. Woody Harrelson would help Charles try to get a new trial. Their plea was based on the fact that Charles's conviction rested on the testimony of prisoners who were all offered reduced sentences in exchange for their cooperation. Woody described this effort as just being a son trying to help his dad. The appeal stalled, and Charles Harrelson died of a heart attack in 2007. He was 69. So what do you think? Does this story make you look at Woody any differently? Can I... It's a good question. It's a good question. <laughs> Go ahead, Stella. I just noticed Ando, I don't know whether he said it, but I just saw then that he also picked up on that, uh, that the mother or the first wife was Oswald. And also interesting that it's three names, Diane Lou Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald. I don't know if there's a connection, but yeah, he'd be worth it. I think we all want to on that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. If sure. anybody wants to do a little searching in that, that would be interesting. Yep. There is a connection, but um, I don't know. I also thought it was kind of amusing that um, they described that he shot him in the head and then strangled him just to be sure. I mean, hello. Just to be sure. <laughs> Who's going to survive a headshot unless, you know, it's a really bad shot? It's but, happened, uh, actually. It yeah, has yeah, happened. Uh, the other thing that I find a little bit odd is that he killed Judge Wood and then he calls his son Woody. Mm. Is that weird? Mm. I think it's weird. But he, but he well, his, claimed... his son was already named Woodrow before he went after the judge. So oh, okay. I, I wasn't aware of yeah. that. I wasn't sure when the, yeah. when the son came along versus yeah. the murder. Fair enough. And the other part that I was curious about is a deep dive on Judge Wood. Right. Was there some other high up political figure that would have benefited from the assassination of this judge? And then it could be spun to make it look like somebody put a hit on him. You know, especially if this man has a CIA connection like Woody Harrelson's dad. I don't know. I just would be curious to do a little more digging on the actual judge to see what he was working on, who he was friends with. Because it sounds like a modern day something that would happen to a Clinton associate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or or an easy way to get rid of somebody who is presenting themselves as an obstacle for yes. whatever you're trying to get pushed forward. Yes. Or that they, you know, or maybe even with Woody's dad that he outlived his usefulness to them and perhaps was a liability and they killed two birds with one stone by putting him in prison and silencing him in a way or, or re significantly reducing his reach or his message. I just think there's probably more to those stories to, to look into. Not to mention, let's say for the benefit of just suspension of disbelief, 
if if in fact this man fathered both Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. I don't know. It's just interesting to think that these are two superstars that if if this man was involved with the CIA, that they might have you know had some incentive to manipulate his sons or or elevate or you know use them in some way even if not like in a direct kind of way you know it's what i possible. mean yeah sure yeah absolutely anything's possible <laughs> mm-hmm. is it possible to bring up that jpeg that i left in the private chat there please it's just i don't know there's just something about this picture that i find i don't i can't put it into oh you want me to pull this up yeah if, if you could yeah Sure could. Possible. Sorry about the uh, listening listening viewers. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, we'll describe what we're looking at here. So, yeah. I don't know. It's just something about this picture that just doesn't look hitmany. It looks more actory. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. It's just it's just a, an inkling, mm-hmm. I suppose. Just go back, pan, to zoom back a little bit so you can see the whole posture and yeah, just sort yeah. of stand there with his arms crossed, looking in the straight down the camera. With a bit of, so, a, I don't know, actory so look about him. What, what would you expect a hitman to look like, Stella? I don't know. I don't know. I can't really well, put it know, into okay, words. But, it's just something about the way he's looking into the camera and the, I don't know. I can't what put I, it into words. What I find interesting, I'm looking at his eyes, and this to me looks like a man. He's content. He looks content. And there was a there was a statement about how he actually seemed to prefer the Supermax facility because of the solitude and peace and um, and the quiet Structure. of it all. And and it made me think of something that Woody Harrelson said in one of the previous clips, talking about it was it was before he broke the bombshell about possibly being half brothers with McConaughey. He started the story by saying something he found fascinating about his dad was that he had no regrets, despite being a convicted murderer. Did y'all murder? He said it. Mm. I heard it. Now, the reason I I find this so fascinating, okay, the thing I thought I'd finish this whole like train of thought on. Have y'all heard of? Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Of yes. course. Mm-hmm. John Perkins. So he talked about how he would approach heads of state and bureaucrats and folks of various positions of power. And he he describes it as he would come with a wad of cash in one hand and a gun in the other. And it makes me wonder if Charles Harrelson took the wad of cash. And as a result, his two sons were elevated to a point of high status. Well, interesting that you, uh, you pose that hypothesis, Mike, because uh, aside from any potential uh, relation to Matthew McConaughey, 
Uh, it's very clearly listed on Woody's Wikipedia page that he has another brother, I guess, also by Charles Harrison, uh, because it doesn't describe him hmm. as a half brother. Hmm. Or no, I'm sorry. It's actually on Charles Harrison's Wikipedia page. Uh, says he's the father of actors, plural, Brett and Woody Harrelson. I have no idea who Brett Harrelson is. I've never Neither. heard of him before. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to see his IMDb page, I guess. Um, but I thought I would play. I thought I would play a clip from the Economic Hitman. But before I do, Stella, I, I just heard you try to chime in, or Ashley, whoever wants to speak. I, I was just going to say, I wonder if Matthew McConaughey is his real name, or if that's like a stage name, perhaps. Well, his mother. Uh, no, I think that's his given name. Um, his mother was a McConaughey. Well, but I don't he, believe but, anything that any of them say. <laughs> yeah, supposedly. I think I, from what I gathered, I think the story goes that um, his mother, you know, he was raised by a single mother in a way. So was Woody. Um, you know, his father went to jail when he was seven. Or yeah, left that, old, that old chestnut. But, How many of those stories do you hear? I mean, right, right. I could think of a number of celebrities that have come from the the poor streets, from the single struggling mother, and you know whatever. There's so many of them. It's like, wow, you sure copped a break for your kid, didn't you? Well, the, mm -hmm. and they glossed over uh, Charles Harrison's military career pretty quickly in yeah. that uh, documentary, True. which is interesting because again, going back to his Wikipedia page, there is zero mention of his military career anywhere on that mm -hmm. page. Hmm. But he then, was supposedly in the Navy. Yeah. In the Navy. And no, he's probably the construction worker. He looks more like a construction <laughs> worker. Yeah. Or the yeah, foreman or the cowboy. The oh, foreman, okay. maybe. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I just feel like doing this. Um, but what I was thinking, too, is that I, I get suspicious about the whole Supermax thing, right? Because if you're in, like, uh, solitary confinement, that kind of thing, then how do we know that you're even there? And, and, of course, none of us can verify that. So if somebody truly is working as an agent for the state, how better to do that than to just tell everybody well he's locked up how he mm. couldn't he couldn't possibly be out there doing it he's in supermax or he's in you know solitary confinement or whatever and meanwhile this guy's like i like the i like the solitude i and... bet you do buddy because you're probably not even there to begin with <laughs> yeah i totally agree ashley and interesting like, thought you know Epstein yeah. and, you know, Jazane Maxwell. We yes. don't know where they're. I reckon, you know, I mean, they might have walked into the jail, but how long did they stay there? And did they just take mm -hmm. the little trap door into the tunnel and go into their cocktail bunker? And right. Their bunker cocktail cocktail yeah. bunker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they all go. <laughs> it's the place to be, their, darling. Shaking. With the adrenochrome cocktail. Yeah. Adrenochrome yeah. martinis, right? Yeah. <laughs> On tap, man. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and the other the other thing that I was thinking about here, I'm not going to go into it just in case we come back to it later, but that that made me think about the whole George Floyd situation and Derek Chauvin because Derek Chauvin was also military. There's a lot of weird stuff with the story, right? Well, allegedly he was yep. just stabbed in prison. So I didn't yeah. know if you were going to 
get there or you know, I thought I thought about touching on that shit because it felt somewhat tangentially related. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, you know, I my current sort of feeling on Derek Chauvin is he was a boot stepping on a neck and I don't like boots stepping on necks, whether sure. or not whether or not he was the source of George Floyd's ultimate death. Um, I don't like it. But sure. but the his, fact that he his own which, story is really fascinating, yeah, though. You well, should and, dig into it. And what's weird is that all these reports about him getting shivved come out. And then there's conflicting reports about whether or not he's dead or alive. Right. And and I still I mean, it seems like what I saw most recently is that the the reports that he was dead were not true that he is still alive. I don't know if that's the case or not, but have you well, all kept up with this more than I have? <clears throat> yeah, right, exactly. Maybe. Exactly. Maybe. So see, the thing is, is that uh, Miriam Heinine, who did the, who's done a lot of deep diving on the George Floyd situation. And it is, so there's so many things that are so incredibly fishy that of course you never hear about from the mainstream perspective. But one of the biggies being that there is a, uh, a drug cartel that's associated with the nightclub mm -hmm. running the nightclub where both George Floyd and Derek Chauvin worked. That's so, right. They, they worked at the same fucking club. Yes. And that came yeah. out very early in the piece too. It did. I heard but everybody, from just, everybody just glossed over it. Like it exactly. was exactly, exactly. So there was this whole drug cartel element. There's a fake money element. There's a, a bodyguard element. So you, so both of these guys are both, like they're on total opposite ends of the spectrum that he's such a drug addict, um, you know, convicted criminal, all this stuff. And then this other is a military guy, police officer who is known for being tough in the neighborhood and they're working together. And yet that doesn't really come up. That doesn't get talked about. It's not acknowledged. There is no, especially if you see the video. There's nothing that looks like they know each other at all. And then she even, I think she suspects that George Floyd might have been the, a patsy or something because she believes that he actually is dead, but she thought he knew that he was getting into something. But in, even in her documentary, there are some clips of him saying weird things that seem like some foreknowledge that something was about to go down. So that's all very weird. And then the other things that she has recently pointed out is that this is a really small prison. There's like 340 people, less than 400 people that was at a medium security prison that Derek Chauvin was at. And then he just happens to get stabbed. But isn't that convenient for somebody who's working for the state apparatus who probably might've never been there to begin with. And now that's their way out back into you know, either retired to their cocktail bunker or on to the next thing, you know, maybe on the back end of that, who knows? Um, and the other thing that I wanted to, to bring up, because I think it's at least an interesting thing to think about that Monica Perez talks about this, that she kind of thinks that about like a Julian Assange, she actually thinks that he's a created person that he's out there living life, you know, maybe like dressing as a woman or something, but caring about his business. Um, and I, that kind of makes sense, right? Because how long are you hearing like, Oh, Julian Assange, he's near death. His, his health is really, really poor. He he's not going to make it much. Longer. I mean, we've been hearing that for a really long time. So 
food for thought within this whole thing. Once again, once again, this forum, okay? I'm just like, I'm letting our curiosity and our instincts guide us, okay? I had a feeling Derek Chauvin would come up, and it came up at the right point. What I found really weird, I watched the video of him sort of addressing um, the George Floyd family where he says something to the effect of, you know, I want to give my condolences to the Floyd family and information will be coming out soon that I hope provides some, and he paused, a long fucking pause. And the word that I thought he was going to say, I'm pretty fucking good at filling in people's missing words when they're reaching for a word this happens to me all the time i usually know what word they're looking for and the word i thought he was gonna say was clarity i hope this provides some clarity but he didn't say clarity he paused for about 10 seconds and i think the word he chose was peace but it felt like the word that he chose instead of the word he wanted to say and it was very weird should I try to, I'll try to find that because I, I hope I'm not mischaracterizing, but it sure. was a very weird, weird clip. Yeah. Cause Drizzle and Stella could chime in here too and see what they think about the whole. I just wanted to point out Western civilization there in the comments on YouTube said is pointing out uh, who was Derek's wife. Have a look. So And also, also Western civilization. I, I highlighted this comment seems to think that it all revolves around the bar that those guys worked at. Mm, um, mm, we've that. had a lot of comments. I love the uh, the contributions here, y'all. While I search for this, maybe, I don't know, yeah, talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. Give me. Should a, we give get me Western a... Civilization onto the forum <laughs> at some point? Sounds Whoever like you, you are. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever you Absolutely. are. Absolutely. So, yeah, so Drizzle, did you have thoughts on that? Um, the the George Floyd, the Derek Chauvin, that all this stuff. I mean, it all seems incredibly orchestrated to me. Um, it, it, from the outside, looking at all the information available now, almost three and a half years on from the event, these things are all factors, um, that don't come into play in the immediate aftermath of any event. But just kind of looking at it from the outside and putting all the pieces together over time, it looks like something that probably would have happened anyway at some point. It was just that uh, circumstances converged on that point in time to create that specific event. And then once it happened, uh, whoever it was, wherever it was found out about it said oh that's exactly what we're looking for we need that and that's when the narrative machine started going into motion and spinning the legend of george floyd hmm. couldn't agree more and because um... it's again it's not ever anything that has to be necessarily made to happen you can right. capitalize on an event taking place and broadcast it in such a way so that it 
uh, it hits a specific audience with a specific message in order to produce a specific behavior. Mm. Yeah. And as we know, they play by the never let a good prices go to waste. Sure. And, uh, but don't forget, you know, the George Floyd thing kicked off the whole George Soros funded BLM movement, didn't it? That was the catalyst. Yes. And no, well, that, no, am, I, no, am I not right? BLM there? was in existence since 2014. BLM was, was in existence well, uh, after um, Ferguson uh, in 2014 happened. Uh, God, I can't. George, uh, what's his face? And Trayvon Martin. Another George. Um, by George. Oh, Zimmerman. Zimmerman. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That was when BLM was founded. So they were okay. already well in mm -hmm. existence and yep. had already been making their inroads to the various political circles and, and corporations yeah. and all of that stuff. So that when this incident happened in Minnesota, they were in perfect position to take advantage of it. Okay. Let me reword that. It was sort of a linchpin for the 2020 BLM explosion. I guess. Yes. Whether yes, they were in because, existence yeah. before or the color not, revolution that took place exactly. in America in 2020. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And that's what it I was going to point out. All, that I just want to say Ando says it all started in Ferguson. Yes. So I was going to say to that, that it BLM had been a thing for sure. And like, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, all that stuff. Not that it went away, but it was lying a little more dormant at that time. And then back to what Drizzle said. And to what Miriam said as well was that this was the event, though, that they used to usher in the color revolution uh, kicking off here in the States. And it was a transition to COVID, right? And she points this out in her documentary that it had been all COVID all the time, death counts, everything. All of a sudden, this is everywhere. The man is being lionized. All of the COVID rules, you know, were being broken as we had talked about in earlier in this show. And yet that mattered to some people, the logic aspect of it mattered or the hypocrisy, but you were brushed off for that. You know, it was not important at all. So it was a really interesting time. Mm, it was sort of the beginning of the real confusion, the cognitive dissonance, dissonance thing. Um, with the, yeah, just sort of looking at that and going, hang on, that doesn't make any sense. I think it was perfect timing. Yeah, exactly. I think people were getting sick of having the boot on their neck and being told what to do. And summer yes. was coming. Yes. And, and the powers that shouldn't be knew all of this well in advance, which, again, is why I think they seized on this particular event at this moment to be mm -hmm. like, all right, well, you know, Obviously not officially, but if we're going to allow people to be out and about during the summer when they would normally be anyway, because that's what you do in the summer in the northern hemisphere, uh, this gives them an excuse to go against all of the restrictions that we have this... been placing on them and not feel bad about it. You're not going to kill Nana if you go to the BLM protest, okay? And the Chauvin incident was like the physical manifestation of what was happening. You just said it yourself. Exactly. You know, boot on the exactly. neck. So it was like it was a actual symbol. picture. Yeah. It was an incredibly powerful symbol. It's why I and a lot of other anarchists got fooled. Because I, I said, fuck the police. Fuck yeah, fuck the police. For sure. Fuck yeah. 
and fuck lockdown. And I've been locked down for three months and I want to go fucking outside and I want to yell at people and I want to get pissed and I want to feel good about it. And I went along with it and I got swept into the side. Sure. Because that's the thing is that liberty minded people were resentful of the boot. The problem is, is that the movement was co-opted, right? Because what the, if the powers that shouldn't be are agreeing with you, then we have to know that their solution is not going to align with our solution, right? So for example, their solution is going to be more surveillance state. And I would argue that it helped to usher that in by making it acceptable for people to go into shopping centers and trash them penalty free. Right. So during the whole COVID time, you weren't hearing about these huge smash and grabs, these huge places that were getting totally wiped out. But ever since the pallets the, of bricks that were showing up right before yep, the protest, that's a whole other thing. Yes. Placed and by police. Yes. That were probably working for a certain um, billionaire, George, you know, who I'm talking about. Are we about. allowed to say his name on YouTube? I said it already. Oh, okay. He sort of reminds me of a cane toad. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. Uh, Looks Luke, like one. Luke Radowski says he's not exactly. allowed to say his name. So that's why I didn't bring it up in case it got the channel nuked. Yeah, well, he but, might not be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so it was very interesting, too, that, that that sort of ushered in all of that, like the shoplifting uh, carefree that we're seeing now, not that it didn't exist in some places, but it really amped up after that. And then if you listen to um, James Corbett, then he believes that it, that's all being intentionally allowed to continue the surveillance state as far as, you know, the shopping experience and all that. So it's a wild, a wild, very important pivotal point in our current history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, as Gentleman Skeptic has pointed out just there, even the pronunciation of Chauvin's name went through some revisions. At first they were calling him Chauvin or Chauvin, Chauvin, but Chauvin associates with Chauvinist better. And um, I'm sure a lot of us had that thought at the time. It was like Chauvin, Chauvinist. There's so much in a name. There's so much giveaway in a name, I find. We are we are just firing on all cylinders tonight, folks. Okay, am I wrong here? Am I fucking wrong here? I love it. <laughs> With dude, am I wrong? Friends. Dude, am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> am I right? Am I right? <laughs> dude, what's mine say? Dude, dude, what's mine say? Sweet. <laughs> Sorry, if you've never seen uh, "Dude, Where's My Car," you're not going to get that, but it's a classic. Um, I have not. I think that a great way to sort of tie all this together is the confessions of the economic hitman because this explains how the dynamics are at play and i have a couple things to add after the fact but uh with y'all's permission i will play this clip and we'll take it from there what do you say am i good any any final good to go, thoughts bro. okay do you fear for your life at all? I mean, you're an economic hitman. You've a self-described con man who has literally sat down with presidents, prime ministers, dictators, 
some of them haven't made it out of the much longer out of the meeting. So where do you stand on fear and well, fear of life? You, I, I, I don't mean to put you down, but you obviously didn't read the new confessions of an economic hitman, which was published in 2016, where I talk about I was poisoned uh, and lost uh, 70% of my large intestine to a hospital in New York City. I was supposed to speak at the United Nations on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. I flew up to New York from Florida, where I lived at the time, uh, on Monday, <clears throat> had lunch with this journalist who it turns out probably was not a journalist. And uh, that night I lost uh, a huge amount of blood in my body, was rushed to Lenox Hill Hospital, where eventually they took out 70% of my large intestine. And a lot of the evidence points toward poison. It was never, once again, never concluded because by the time we even suspected it, the part of my intestine had been removed, had been incinerated, which they do immediately as they pull something out of you in the hospital. But <clears throat> my life was threatened. So when I started writing the book, after I was an economic hitman, I started writing a book about my experiences and immediately got anonymous phone calls, threatening my life and my infant daughter's life. And you can imagine, Pat, you've got, you've got an infant child. Uh, and, and at the same time, I was taken out to dinner by the president of Stone & Webster, a big consulting firm in Boston and been a competitor of, of my companies that I just left. And uh, he takes me out to dinner. And he says, hey, you know, you've got a great resume. You were chief economist at one of our competitors. You had 50 people working for you. Uh, we'd like to use your resume in our proposals. Uh, you don't have to, you won't have to do any work for us, but just let us use your resume. And I'm prepared to write a check to you tomorrow for $500,000, half a million dollars. Mm. This is in the late 80s. It was worth more than it is today. It was millions at this point. Yeah. And uh, he and then he says, just don't write the book. So in fact, I'm getting the same treatment that I've been giving these presidents. I'm being offered, a, a, you know, I'm, I'm now without a job. Yeah. I'm being offered half a million dollars in, in one hand. And the other hand, wow. Yeah. And uh, so. Do you deserve that treatment, though? Well, does anybody deserve that kind of treatment? I'm asking <laughs> you. I, I live a pretty moral life. I don't, I, don't, I don't fear for my life. But a lot of the stuff you're doing kind of, well, I, I assume, comes with the territory. Well, I wanted to expose what I'd done and write the book. But I, I took the money. Uh, and I have to say, in my own defense, I didn't uh, go out and buy a fence. But, but you I, did I, take the money. I did take the money. I didn't buy a Ferrari. Uh, it's a good car. You should look into it. <laughs> I know a couple of guys that have them. Yeah, I probably should have. No, the, the way you said that, I'm probably never going to drive that Ferrari. Again. <laughs> yeah. There was helicopters all around the house last night, and Jen was worried. Maybe they were chasing after John. I don't know. <laughs> I know he's around. Yeah. So I, I actually took the money and went back to the Amazon, where I'd been a Peace Corps volunteer, and, and had such a huge impression on my life. And I'd been reading how the Amazon is being destroyed. You know, so I go back to the Amazon and tell the indigenous people there, the Shwa, the Atra people I'd lived with, I want to come and help you save your forests. And uh, <laughs> this started me off on a whole new career. They said, well, if you want to change, save the forests, then don't come here and try to change us. It's your oil companies, your, your lumber companies, your mining companies. It's your dream in the north. It's your dream of big buildings and, <clears throat> and, and, and Ferraris and, and other such things that are, that, are, that are destroying these forests. So change the dream of your people. So I came back and formed a, a nonprofit called Dream Change and then Pachamama Alliance. I began writing books about this. So, you know, I... I $500,000 to silence you was kind of the model. Yeah. That's how what it was. Don't say anything. We'll give you half a mil. Don't, don't write that book. They're, they're, right. they're okay with me writing books on shamanism and indigenous culture. They encourage that. In Just fact. not on. Not on what I'd done. 
And then my contract was over by 9-11. I'm in the Amazon with a group of people that I'm taking in to work with to save the forest. 9-11 happens. I fly up to New York. I go and stand and look down at that pit. And I knew I had to write this book. And I'm not saying there's a connection between what I did and 9-11, but it just struck me that I had to write this book. And this time I decided that I wouldn't contact other economic hitmen and, and jackals as I'd been doing before. So the, the word had gotten out. That's why I got the threats. Mm-hmm. This time I decided I'd write the whole book completely in secret as a confession, not as an expose, mm. but as a confession. And I figured once I got it in the hands of publishers, it would be my insurance policy. So I went ahead and did that and thought it was my insurance policy and then until I got poisoned. And then, then, then that put a different... What, you, what year was this? You said you got a half a million in 1980? Uh, yeah, that's uh, equivalent of $1.7 million today. So if you enjoyed this little short segment from the, okay. So, uh, whoa, right. I don't know. There's a lot to dissect with this, uh, economic him guy. He's very on the climate change narrative, but also he has like interesting shit to say, you know, again, it's almost like, is he still on the payroll? I'm not sure. Yeah, but is is the destruction of the Amazon really a climate change narrative? Because, I mean, the things that he was talking about weren't inaccurate. Like, those no, things no, no, are for sure, happening. For sure. I watched I watched his, te- his uh, TED Talk, and he talks a uh, lot about climate when change. When was that? Do you know um, what year it was? Good question. And actually, it was worth maybe watching a clip from. Uh, let me see what I can find, but... You know, talking uh, yeah yeah i was just looking at sort of the symbolism and stuff i mean i saw the lion logo at the very beginning of that video which you know lions are supposed to have some symbolism with um not so much biblical things but the narrative mm. I, I i can't quote it exactly i just remember reading the lion represents blah 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 yeah and this and so does the jaguar and that fella had a jaguar t-shirt on as well i just i don't know probably means nothing just pointing it out because these things are they're little sneaky, you know, plain sight things that we generally won't pick mm. up on. But yeah, I'm like the double cross on the Oreo cookie. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. And the Bitcoin, uh, the uh, oh, what's that logo? Ashley, help me out. Not Bitcoin, but uh, the company that does the crypto that we recent I recently pointed out looks like the Freemason logo. Uh, was it Pirate? Oh, Binance. Binance. Yeah, that's Binance. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the uh, exchange that just got taken down for money laundering. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> was it a $4.5 billion judgment, I believe? Or was that how much they laundered? Sure. And this know. is a, a little bit random too, but I saw a uh, like a meme, but it was taken from the Flintstones. And it actually had Fred and Barney at the lodge with their Mason aprons on. Like oh, screenshots yeah. from the show all those years ago uh with the the big logo in the back i wish i would have saved that uh i don't know where i even I saw that at. I, I would like to have taken a look at it because i watched a lot of the flintstones and yeah. I okay i'll see if i can like find that, it but, i'll see if i yeah. can find it that's right they had like the grand poobah type hats on mm-hmm. didn't they um fred mm-hmm. and barney they used to go to those meetings and and yeah, also i think of uh, lodge yeah and i think of uh, mr cunningham too out of happy days he was also he was also the Grand Poobah, and then he became like the head. Mm. Well, he became the Grand Poobah. Remember he used to wear the hat? 
They'd mm-hmm. come from the meetings. You know, I saw I saw something just today. Um, I I was not able to confirm whether or not it's authentic, but it was about um, cartoons, sort of desensitizing kids to chemtrails. Yeah, that was pretty. And it amazing. had mm-hmm. that. Yeah, was that shared in the chat? Because um, yep. yeah, visual, I was like, I was shared by me. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, you know, I'm Which like, hit. I'm like, maybe that could be Photoshop. Watch those or, movies. See, if yeah, you would have there. to, you would have to go back and confirm. But very, very interesting that uh, yeah. that premise of using cartoons to sort of slip in little tidbits here and there. Once again, I well, often come that, back, but to condition your uh, your view, your perception of reality. Of reality, I mean, that is. Right. That was the mission statement of Hollywood, essentially, is mm-hmm. to uh, present the frame that was uh, allowable for you know people to use their imagination inside of. And it just shows what bottom feeding cretins they really are, because they're coming for their kids, and you know they're just conditioning the new generation. They're little yeah. little kids. I mean, those cartoons were for little kids. Well, I mean, it goes back to psychology. They know yeah. that once the adult brain is fully formed, you're not likely moving it off mm-hmm. of, you know, the the things that it has uh, constructed up to that point in order to determine what the nature of reality is. You have to yes. get a, uh, 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 just a, a less, um, sorry, I'm looking for here, Mike. Well, okay. So I would describe it as what I've been, what I've come to understand as the anchoring effect. When you, in your mind, decide something is a fact, it is very difficult to change that. It is anchored in your psyche as fact. This is what the world around me is. And it, it kind of goes back to this premise of, um, it's much easier to fool a man Mm-hmm. than it is to convince a man that he has been fooled. Mark Twain, was it? That was Mark Twain. I think. I think so. Yes. Yeah, that is very true. It's the power of suggestion yet again. And, I mean, that's what they the, the whole thing that they're running on, propaganda, is the power of suggestion. Um, MK Ultra is the power of suggestion. Operation, Operation Mockingbird is the power of suggestion. You know, the whole thing, it's all about this is the final frontier. I keep saying this. Our mind is the final frontier. It's not fucking space. It's the space between our ears. That's that's the final frontier. That's what they need to get hold of. It's governmental, you know. It's it's about perception. This word perception is just coming up so many times for me at this point. I just keep seeing the word perception. Perception, that's what it is. As long as they rule the perception of the masses, they got it. So I do want to play this, uh, before we get totally off of it, I want to play this Derek Chauvin um addressing the Floyd family, because once again, I found it kind of interesting. And then I want to take it kind of back to this idea of like the economic hitman, um, corporate espionage, if you will. Um, because I think that is in some ways the overarching theme of the episode, this corporate espionage, this corporate manipulation of the masses, um, we can call it corporate. It's it's fascist. It's the blending of the government narrative with the corporate narrative. Um, but you all get my point. I'm just going to play this and we'll we'll keep going. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, at this time, due to some additional legal matters at hand, I'm not able to give a 
full formal statement at this time. Um, but very briefly, though, I uh, do want to give my condolences to the Floyd family. Um, there's going to be some other information in the future that would be of interest. And uh, I hope things will give you some some peace of mind. Thank you. Okay. First of all, he's definitely got a Harrelson nose. <laughs> kind of. I kid. I kid. I kid. That's drawing too many connections. But um, I guess I exacerbated or I exaggerated when I said it was like a five second pause. But you caught that moment where he says, I hope it provides some you know, peace to the family. Now, what's interesting no, 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 is that didn't apparently say peace. he said peace of mind, peace of mind. Those peace are two mind. completely different things. True, true. Um, apparently, he was trying to get a retrial. Right. And then it got it got like denied and then he gets shivved. That's the timeline as far as I understand. That was weird that you said that about Woody Harrelson, because I had the same thought. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he could be another uh, Charles Harrelson bastard, you know. Clone. Anybody? Should we just keep? I got, I got more clips, um, all related. But oh yeah, I'm here for it. Um, and I did, I did share those. Uh, so in the chat, they, they, uh, gentlemen, skeptic and Western Civ, they were familiar with the, um, uh the Flintstones. And I did share those images in our chat. Uh, it wasn't exactly what I saw the other day, but it was basically uh, similar. And oh, so you I shared it. I saw, I saw you shared something in the uh, telegram. telegram. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was like, well, I'm on my phone, but I don't know why I didn't just pull it up from here. So I, I can post here. in our private chat. If I, find I got it. it, I got it. I got it. Oh. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. Here we go. Oh, Oh, sorry. Hang on before we go on. That last one you shared, Ashley, of um, Barney and Flint. Yeah. Doesn't that remind you of the insurrection dude <laughs> with the furry hat and the horns? Yeah, um, the shaman. Bit of yeah. Age maybe, but interesting. I mean, they more, do have shaman vibe for sure. Yeah, more to have in the psyche, sort of, so to speak. Yes. So we've got, we've got the loyal order of the water buffalo. Is there like... Uh, um, mason like lodge right and definitely this is very masonic yeah look at the two columns oh oh isn't it look it's even got the yeah. bloody set square and compass on the yep. front of the yep. apron cheese yep. oh, and, and, wow. and, and behind him and, behind oh, him. He's and it's got the two pillars in front of the lodge yes. too Joachim and Boaz. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. and it's fascinating too because i was just chatting with jen today about the blue and white colors because he says that a lot of uh people in the occult conspiracy community think that the predator class worship Saturn, but he disagrees not to speak for him, but he thinks that it's actually Jupiter and that the, the like Israeli flag, mother Teresa's colors, the blue and white, he thinks that Mm -hmm. that is significant. So again, not to speak for him, but I thought it was at least an interesting point to make. I don't know if you saw that. Ashley. You all see that the eye of Horus right there. Oh yeah, the all-seeing eye. Yeah, 
Yep. Capstone. Um, I don't know if you saw that, Ashley, but I, let, I dropped a link in that conversation because I was just sort of looking. I wasn't really – didn't want to participate and interrupt. But um, I dropped a link at the end of that conversation with you and Jin. It's called Remembering the End of the World. And shout out to General Maddox, um, my mate here in Australia, General Lee, uh, who put me onto that. And I, I watched it the other day. I'm going to watch it again, but it does go into that, what you're talking about with, you know, everyone's going Saturn, Saturn, but actually he brings the – Jupiter thing sort of in. Um, okay. Trying to remember the name, David Talbot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see that, but I will check that out because I really hadn't heard that before, but it made sense. And then tying mm. it in with the blue and uh, white coloring here. It's food for yeah, thought. It's like, look at Saturn, but it's actually Jupiter. <laughs> yeah. And that's what Jen, there. that's what Jen was saying. And he said, you know what? It's actually Jupiter has mm. a magnetic effect on Saturn. So mm. I was kind of like, whoa <laughs> yeah yeah so i know i know we probably have like mixed feelings on this this cat right here <laughs> but uh he's covering That's an understatement this, yeah 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 <laughs> this this is recent this is five days ago um he's covering this issue about like moderna having their own intelligence service which i think is very worth noting um so i i kind of skipped ahead to like the, the meat of the issue here, but I'm I'm just really his background because I used to watch this dude a lot. His mm -hmm. background's changed and yet the outside looks the same. That's weird. Anyway, well, it's kind of funny. Uh, this is clearly a television. Usually, he's got he's very proud of talking about his woodshed, which is right here. There's a woodshed, but then above the woodshed, somehow inex inexplicably inexplicably. I'm sorry, I'm drunk. inexplicably inexplicably. There's tree, <laughs> there's there's trees growing out of the top of his woodshed. So like, yeah, he is not. This is not a window. This is a flat screen. That's yeah, a flat yeah. screen TV. Yeah, and it looks like a soundstage to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've been looking into quite a lot of the. I don't really want to. I was going to bring a show about this, but I suppose I'll just mm -hmm. say it. I've been looking into quite a lot of the AI technology for um, backgrounds, like green screen, the new technology. What it is now is actually claimed to be invented by Netflix, but yeah, right, probably in MIT or someone. Um, so instead of just using green screens now, what they're doing is um, lighting the foreground figures uh, with a blue and a red light in, instead of just white lights, and they're making the foreground magenta, and they're using AI fill-ins on the green screens. And so the backgrounds are much like nowhere near what you could just get with a green screen and a couple of lights, like the old way of doing it with just a key. Now it's like AI filled backgrounds and they're really, really bloody good. And I can speak with authority on this because I used to use green screens in the old days when I was doing my video editing and it's every, we had a huge studio cyclorama. Part of my job was repainting it, you know, green, blue, whichever one we needed for the next shoot. And, um, yeah, I know what it's like to sort of work with the old. We had pretty good technology back then too, like modern for the time. And uh, it wasn't easy. Like the, the biggest problem was hair, like very fine hairs were always a giveaway with green screens. Like you had to really slick down someone's hair if you wanted them to not look like they're on a green screen. And the other thing was when people were wearing glasses and maybe they turn their head a little bit sideways, you could always see the green through the glasses, whereas that doesn't mm. happen with the AI now. It's really really good and i'll keep this for a show because i don't know who i'm going to bring it to but i've got a few clips that i can show examples of how deceptive it has become 
Right on. Uh, well, I'm I'm going to play a minute or two of this. Uh, and like I said, we don't have to necessarily buy that Russell Brand's like 100% our guy. Um, again, I almost am halfway convinced he he's like one of these guys who doesn't maybe know that he's being used. He, he He's trying to be on the good side. I don't know. I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but this this whole story about Moderna's uh, spy wing is pretty pretty relevant. Just give us a job. I'll come in and help you. The most important thing for Moderna is that people keep having their jabs. Smart ads are part of that, but more important is to push back aggressively against any prevailing anti-vax narrative and engage where possible in any discussions around vaccine policy. That's where the Moderna disinformation department comes in. They've got a department for disinformation. They spend all their time lying through their goddamn teeth and then have the nerve to start a disinformation department. Behind the scenes, the marketing arm of the company, I hope that the spike protein hasn't migrated from that arm, the marketing arm of the company has been working with former law enforcement officials and public health officials to monitor and influence vaccine policy. You better believe it. Key to this is a drug industry funded NGO called Public Good Projects. What should we call it? How about public good projects? I mean, is that bad, given that all we're trying to do is make money? No, I like it. Public good projects. Brilliant. According to documents we have seen, PGP works closely with social media platforms, government agencies, and news websites to confront the root cause of vaccine hesitancy by rapidly identifying and shutting down the misinformation. A network of 45,000 healthcare professionals are given talking points and advice on how to respond when vaccine misinformation goes mainstream, according to an email from Moderna. How is that not propaganda? How is that not co-opting an industry like when something works you don't have to do that do you? you don't have to persuade people to do things that are good for you like have an orange if you've got a cold or do some exercise or get some fresh air or even of course many powerful medicines like my mum's had cancer eight times never once had to drag her into chemotherapy or radiotherapy because it was pretty clear that the product available was necessary Moderna's disinformation arm is perpetuating the public discourse wars that have been raging since early in the pandemic, aimed at shutting down anything that might undermine COVID-19 related policies, including lockdowns and efforts to encourage mass vaccinations. These documents provide a new window into the process that has roiled speech debates over the last three years. Remember, people from the FDA going to work at Moderna, people from the UK government going to work for Moderna, the British government awarding 10-year projects to Moderna, the British Prime Minister, Moderna. Like, this is not, you know, know, oh, I don't believe that we went to the moon. This is not that. This is legit stuff from proper journalists, kind of journalists that are like, hmm, how can we tell people stuff that's going to be challenging for them that's against the interests of the powerful? Not journalism of like, what can we do to lick the butts of the powerful? Well, here's a bunch of ways you can lick their butts. This is actual journalism that costs people. With PGP, Moderna is monitoring a huge range of mainstream outlets as well as unconventional ones, such as the Steam online gaming community and Medium. Meanwhile, Moderna also retains Talkwalker, which uses its blue silk artificial intelligence to monitor vaccine-related conversations across 150 million websites in nearly 200 countries. Bloody hell, that's spying. Moderna's spying on us. 150 million websites in 200 countries. Discussions around competitor issues, including discussions of Pfizer flagged, as well as vaccine hesitancy. Can you imagine what an infringement upon your freedom this is? Look at what people are saying right now about sort of like Elon Musk or 
Rumble. Oh, there's hate speech. There's hate speech. What about Moderna uh, monitoring 150 million websites? Don't worry about that. They're trying to help you and help us. We've seen from the last few years that Moderna basically have no agenda other than helping people. They're willing to go to almost any lengths to help people. Like, <laughs> relentless help. Their monitoring team includes Moderna's Global Intelligence Division. Why has Moderna got a Global Intelligence Division? Why? Okay, that's enough. Um, again, I, you know, uh, uh, maybe I'm just too nice. I like Russell Brand. I don't want to not believe that he is at least trying. You can like him, just don't trust him. All I see yeah. is traitor. He's a bloody Judas goat. You think? Called it from the very beginning. Well, not from the very beginning. I watched him for a few months, and then it was like, nah, just don't buy it at all. And then all the cool other stuff happened. I don't even know why he's still on there, actually, if he's been accused of whatever he was accused of with well that's the thing is and it, it, he's been he's been they tried to like rake him over the coals it's kind of why i still like want to give uh joe rogan the benefit of the doubt because the mainstream like raked him over the coals so it makes me think maybe he's even if he's not perfect or you know he can be easily manipulated into saying certain things maybe they are at least trying i don't know I always see the good, and that's my biggest fault, probably. Well, you know, I tried to be more white-pilled with Anthony Oliver. Oliver Anthony. Oh, yeah. whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Traitor. No, it is, it's the Oliver Anthony effect. I think that's like a valid kind of thing to be wary of. Well, I mean, they they put people in front of us and they present them in such a way so that they are appealing to us, you know, uh, because uh, again, psychologists know the power of outsourcing human agency and what that does to the individual, you know? So obviously right. if we're supposed to be constantly, uh, distracted and paying attention to the wrong things, the easiest way to make sure that that happens is to provide the role models that people are going to follow and have them exhibit the exact behaviors that you want these people to fall into. You know, it's, it, it's monkey see monkey do with our species, you know, as much as many people probably don't want to admit that one of the ways that we learn is from watching other human beings and especially human beings that we have some sort of emotional attachment to. It might be like a desperate attempt to stay relevant, right? Even if they're like, you know, I'm thinking about Joe Rogan and fucking Russell Brand. It's like they want, to be relevant they're seeing which way the wind's blowing they don't want to necessarily step over the line too soon but they're willing to toe the line you know does that make well, any sense i mean it's a matter of opinion you know everyone can have yeah. their opinion i think they've been placed personally yeah might be yeah i mean Yes, I really thought that they do come up with the likable, truth-telling bro type mm -hmm. for a reason. Yep. To get the people who aren't buying yes. the mainstream and to get them to think that they have stumbled across someone who is, 
you know, and I'm doing this because this is the hurting motion. Corralling, corralling. I noticed that. Corralling. Yeah. 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 So that's really what I think that it's about. I would love to, to think that these people really are authentic, but I, I just can't. I mean, especially in a Joe Rogan situation with as much money as he's getting paid by who now is his boss, which is Spotify, you're staying within the allowable thing. Whatever that may be, you're not erring from that. Like, you're not risking 100 milli, you know? No, what and, I find is, oh, sorry, I thought you finished. Oh, uh, no, almost. So basically, I just think that that they're put there to make us think like, oh, well, I I don't, you know, I'm above mainstream media because I know that's bullshit. And so it's just like this layer within a layer within a layer. And really, it's the rise of the alternative media that is the new mainstream media. Now I'm finished. <laughs> Sorry, love. Um, yeah, I have always been disturbed by Joe Rogan's logo. It's a horrible, horrible logo. It's him with his third eye and he's looking really evil. It's just awful. I know it's probably a take, but is it? We got a comment here, gentlemen skeptic. It makes you wonder how they decide who to promote and who to silence, who are also controlled opposition. Like the mainstream guy catches the majority of the outlaw, or I'm sorry, like the mainstream guy catches the majority and the outlaw catches the hardcore people. Yeah. Yeah. The Joe Rogans and the Russell brands are uh, supposed to appear. Yes. They're supposed to appear as outliers so Mm -hmm. that those of us who consider ourselves to be outliers of uh, society, the species, whatever, however you want to look at it, will identify with them and glom on to them and whatever message it is that they're delivering. Yep. You know, they're supposed to be like our North star for the, the outcasts and the outlaws and you know, whatever. Totally agree. Again, we all have to fit into a box, right? That's the whole point. Predictable to keep us corralled. Yeah. Yeah. We have to have our labels so that they know which group to put us in. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, um, what I keep calling them, Judas Goats. They've been there to gather us, specifically us. If we trust them, they're going to slip in those little subtle things that we'll, we won't even notice because we're not looking for it because we trust them. You know what I mean? It's like you've got to be alert to every single thing that everybody says, really, if they're there in front of you and they've got a mass following. Sort well, of this, this, you know, Ando just gave us an interesting comment. Alex Jones says it. Rogan confirms it and Tucker legitimizes it a year later. So yeah, maybe it is um, the, the like slow feeding of a certain narrative, a certain alternative narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And credit to it's called programming. Yes. And credit to Owen Benjamin, whether he's legit or not legit, he says some things that the, alternative news is not saying um that's <laughs> putting it mildly that's putting it mildly okay so he says he appears to say what he thinks is the truth and i don't always agree with him right because he he'll say stupid things like uh we i i don't have a problem with the cia you know we you know stuff like that so i don't necessarily think that he is placed there i just think that i don't agree with him 
but he says what you're not allowed to say in a lot of ways. Um, but like what Stella was saying with the with Tim Pool, for example, a lot of people have been demonetized and kicked off the platform for saying some things that Tim Pool was is able to say and keep an incredible monetization program that they've got going on there. And then I know we've talked about it on here before, but the very subtle slipping in, just like what Stella was saying, of bits of the world economic predator class agenda. For example, when you see Tim Pool saying that we should have an online ID or basically some sort of online verification to protect the children. That's that narrative is so old. It's so tired. It's so reused. And yet our alternative media hero, Tim Pool is saying it. So you have that. And then he's agreeing with who like Elon Musk with Klaus Schwab with Nikki Haley. So if you're agreeing with all those people, there's mm. something amiss here. It's in the company you keep. Also, and, uh, can I just say also, yeah. Owen Benjamin, two first names. Um, if he says he has a problem, he doesn't have a problem with the CIA, yet he's so awake, that's a problem. He says that he doesn't object to, I guess, the concept of the CIA. Sure, it's a problem. I don't agree with that, of course. But I also see him oh, saying things. Saying you were. <laughs> You're oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I get it. And I, a lot I could of times- almost, I could almost see Owen Benjamin, his attitude being like, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be so nonconformist that I'm going to nonconform to my own listener base. Sure. And he, he offends his own listener base all the time. Mm-hmm. He had, he, because there's a lot of Christians that listen to him and he had an entire a week where he was just going after Paul like nonstop. So he will beat a, a dead horse, all the stuff. So I do wonder though, Stella, I agree. I wonder about him. Um, and then I had one other thing that I wanted to say in, in regards to this whole subject. Oh, so the other thing that makes me even more sus of Tim cast, this is a little bit, uh, you, you maybe wouldn't think so, but like Lydia or Cassandra, whoever does the booking for the show, she's very much holding Israel accountable for what's happening. Like a lot of people in the Liberty community are like, listen, this is genocide. This is, it's not making sense. While, Tim and uh, Phil, all that remains, Phil, Phil that remains, uh, I can't remember his last name right now. They are very much Phil Levante. There you go. They're, you know, pro-Israel. And so it, it, to me, that's a microcosm of what we're seeing in the regular political sphere, right? So you have the, the usual suspects, the usual predator class, they're all saying that we need to go to war for Israel. Like, Hillary Clinton, Nikki Haley, all of these people. But then you have the squad who is pro-Palestine, right? And you have all these pro-Palestinian uh, demonstrations that are happening on college campuses and all of this stuff. So I think that this it's another psyop within a psyop of what people are allowed to be disagreeing and what disagreements are allowed in mainstream right so the pro-palestinian stuff is getting a lot more attention than like the the anti-vaxxer stuff meaning anti-vaxxers were simply not given a voice they were shut down 
they were not allowed to speak. They were made to look like they were totally insane. And while there is some of that happening on the pro-Palestine side, there's a lot of regular people that are able to speak about it, like the gal from Tim Pool, like Susan Sarandon. She just got canceled in Hollywood because of being anti-Semitic, whatever that even means these days. I mean, she has to take a pay cut on her next movie. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, which, we were... which ones are you against? Because there's not just one lot of, you know, it's not one basket of these people. I don't know whether we can say it. Jews. <laughs> um, hmm. There's a lot of them, lots of different kinds, and um, they yeah. vary in their extremisms. But uh, hopefully by now we've sort of fairly well honed into the ones that we need to be wary of, let's say. You know, last night I watched Christmas Vacation with my folks. My whole family, rather. Fucking love that movie. Still do. Even though, even though I will say on this watching of it, I realize that it is one more part of this psyop of making mm-hmm. the father of the household look like a doofus. Yep. And the mom is like the wise, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a matriarchal kind of structure. Well, yeah, that's neither here nor there. But I, I, I made a comment when there was the joke where He's in the office and he's it's the last day of work before going on Christmas break, right? And he's he's kind of pissed off and he, he you know he's saying to all the executives as they walk past him, you know, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Yeah. And then kiss the last guy the last yeah, kiss my ass, kiss his ass, kiss your ass. <laughs> and then the last guy he says, Happy Hanukkah. And yeah. I I laughed my ass off. I go, you couldn't make that joke anymore. And somebody, you know, I think it was my sister, goes, why not? And I go, never mind. (laughs) You wouldn't get it. (laughs) Insert Joker meme saying you wouldn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is it? I I know we're sort of a little bit past this, but I was just looking at that link that Ashley dropped in the in the private chat there, which was the Yabba Dabba Doo Flintstones were Freemasons. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I didn't notice on the other picture that we were looking at, they just had their, you know, furry hat with the horns plain. But then I just noticed... Betty and Wilma, was it? Yeah. Um, yeah, there we go. See the crest? and the, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll see that in the... Um, the crescent. Yeah. Remembering the end of the world. That's very relevant. I mean, it's very relevant anyway, but yes, that very much comes into it. And you might see it in a slightly new light after watching that documentary, but I highly recommend it. I dropped it into the uh, comments on the YouTube there. So if mm-hmm. anyone listening wants to go and watch that later. Recommend. Yeah, and I was I was wondering too. Was that uh, does that look similar to the Order of the Morning Star or whatever the female version of the Masons are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the crest and the and the star is used in many many different forms, but just the fact that it's sort of very present. Um, I mean, look at China, you know, for instance. Um, so, and uh, I don't think Russia has no Russia's the crescent and the hammer. I can't remember off the top of my head. Hammer. Well, it was the hammer and hammer sickle and when they were the Soviet Union. That's and right, a sickle yeah. is very crescent. Like a crescent, mm. yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, just be on the lookout for that because um, there's on, a lot of I mean, lying the, the crescent, the crescent moon is a big symbol in Islam, along with what yes. a, a rising star or what have you. Am I wrong mm-hmm. or no, you're not wrong. something to that effect? Um, you know, I thought the last thing, the last clip I would share is this TED talk. This, this was seven years ago. Um, so I don't know if that legitimizes Ted, you know, it seems like Ted 
talks have gone downhill as of late, but um, this is the economic hitman doing his TED talk. I, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I think the first maybe five minutes is worth watching. Um, we are over three hours, so I don't want to drag it on too long, but uh, if y'all are game for it, we'll we'll rock this out for a minute and we'll we'll maybe wrap her up. What do you say? Let's do it. Sweet. I stood in front of the Shah of Iran, the presidents of Indonesia, Ecuador, Panama, members of the Royal House of Saudi Arabia, and I've said something like, in this hand, I have millions of dollars for you and your friends if you play our game. In this hand, I have a gun in case you decide not to. Now, my words were more diplomatic than that, but that was the message. I was an economic hitman. And we economic hitmen have created a new global economy, really, a form of capitalism that I call predatory capitalism. It isn't working. We all know this. The oceans are rising. The glaciers are melting. Less than 5% of us live here in the United States and we consume almost 30% of the world's resources, while half the world is on the verge of starvation or actually starving. That's not a model. China can't do it. India can't do it. They're trying, but they can't do it. We have to change. We have to have a revolution. We must change the system. I'll get into that in a minute, but first, how did I become an economic hitman? While I was still in business school, I was interviewed by the National Security Agency, the NSA. They put me through a series of extensive psychological tests, including on a lie detector. It's a long story, but to make a long story short, I ended up going in the Peace Corps <laughs> and being sent deep into the Amazon rainforest. Now, I'd grown up the son of a teacher in a boys' prep school for very wealthy boys in rural New Hampshire. I grew up with lots of snow and cold, kind of like here in the winter, you know? And suddenly I find myself living in a thatched roof hut in the steamy jungle. You think I adjusted easily to that? <laughs> after, after the Peace Corps, uh, I then took a job, I was given a job as an economist at an international consulting firm in Boston with close ties to the NSA and the CIA. I was trained by a woman named Claudine Martin, whose job it was to train me to be an economic hitman. Now, Claudine had seen my NSA files. She knew that I wanted three things that I thought all my prep school buddies, the rich kids, had had. Money, power, and sex. Claudine was really good at her job. <laughs> and she promised me the first two money and power. And she taught me quite a bit about the third. And then she told me what my job would entail. I would go to countries with resources our corporations covet like oil. I'd arrange a huge loan to those countries from the World Bank 
or sister organizations, but the money wouldn't actually go to the country. It would go to our corporations, Bechtel, Halliburton, Brown and Root, familiar names, to build big infrastructure projects in those countries and incidentally make huge profits in the process. They'd build power plants and industrial parks, things that would benefit a few wealthy families in the country, the ones that own the industries. But the majority of the people would suffer. They would be left holding a huge debt they couldn't repay. So we'd go back and say, since you can't pay your debt, sell your resource, oil or whatever, real cheap to our corporations. Privatize. Sell your utilities, your schools, your jails, everything like that to our corporations. And Claudine also told me that if the leaders of these countries refused my offer, people she called jackals would be right behind me. I didn't actually carry a gun, but the jackals did. My first assignment was in Indonesia, a country that had just ended a terrible civil war where more than a million people had been killed. It had a terrifying reputation. And I have to admit that when I arrived in Jakarta, knowing I'd be there for about three years, my knees were shaking pretty bad. My stomach was filled with fluttering butterflies. I had no idea what I was supposed to do. I was a very young man. I just knew that I was expected to produce a report that would convince the Indonesian government to build an extremely expensive electrical system hiring our corporations to do it. Claudine had made it sound simple, even kind of James Bondishly romantic. But now I'm struck by reality. And I felt naive, ill-prepared, vulnerable. Fortunately for me, the winner of the Civil War, President Suharto, who was actually a dictator, um, wanted the projects that I was offering. And he also wanted CIA and Pentagon uh, protection. Uh, and so every time I stumbled, and I stumbled often, somebody was there to pick me up. A government official would appear with an incredible report uh, that would indicate beyond any shadow of a doubt that, that electricity was all the country needed to take off a huge growth. A, a Harvard-trained mathematician showed up with a mathematical formula that proved that if they just built this electrical system, everything would be fine. In the end, I produced a report that forecasts the need for electricity at an unheard of annual rate of 19%. Indonesia got its loan. Our corporations made lots of money, and I was promoted from economist to chief economist. It was quite a lesson. At that time, the Cold War was, in, was just really, really revving up. And Washington believed that Cuba was about to spread communism throughout the hemisphere. The CIA developed a program called Operation Condor uh, to uh, support right-wing dictatorships in Brazil, Argentina, Chile, throughout the continent. Jaime Roldos, president of Ecuador, democratically elected, and Omar Torrijos, head of state of Panama, strongly opposed Operation Condor. I was sent down to get them to change their ways. They wouldn't. They refused. Uh, Roldos was killed when his private plane crashed in what many believe was not an accident. Uh, Torrijos said, if CIA killed my friend Jaime, I'll probably be next. In less than three months, he died when his private plane crashed under very similar circumstances. You're going to hear an, after me up to the break from a, a Marine Corps general who was in Panama at the time, and he agrees with me that 
these were, these were probably, at least Torrijos was probably assassination. We don't really know who caused it. And I want to say that I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe in some overarching conspiracy to take over the world. But I do read reports. I think I'm a conspiracy factualist. <laughs> you know, I read this recently declassified information, the CIA's own website, where they admit that the US government was deeply involved in the overthrow or assassination of Prime Minister Mossadegh of Iran, President Allende of Chile, Arbenz of Guatemala, Diem of Vietnam, Lumumba of the Congo. And speaking of Allende of Chile, he was replaced by the terribly brutal dictator, General Pinochet, who was a great defender of Operation Condor and also oversaw the murder of tens of thousands of his people and was praised by Secretary of State Henry Kissinger as a great defender of capitalism. Okay. Oh, what? I'm going to I'm going to stop it there. Anybody? How well, do you feel well, about <laughs> How do you feel about what? How do you feel about what? Pinochet. Pinochet was a monster. A lot of people in the anarchy libertarian community like to romanticize Pinochet because he threw communists out of the helicopter. Yeah, and and fucking uh, the hippies in the 80s and 90s, even though they didn't call themselves hippies, but that's what they were, they did the same fucking thing with Che Guevara. So mm -hmm. it makes me think of this new guy down in Argentina right now. Mm -hmm. This supposed anarcho capitalist who's going to slash the government. Yeah, he's a stooge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't and a guy, get and a guy that people of power in government anymore if you are not a part of the agenda. Thank mm -hmm. you, Mr. People, I don't know what it's going to take for people to disabuse themselves of the notion that there could be some dark horse candidate that comes from outside the system and completely reforms everything. It's bullshit. It's a fucking yeah. fairy tale. Stop yep. believing it. Thank he you, would be, he would be dead. If there was an, if he, if this Correct. guy from Argentina was he's an already actual threatened threat, the central bank and he's he still walking dead. around. Yeah. He was um, actually head economist at a number of banks while he was uh, involved with the WEF. And he's, got a, thing... he's got a list a mile long of head economists at this bank and that bank and blah, blah, blah. And uh, Yeah, you're right, Drizzle. If people are still, yeah, sorry. But I guarantee you one of his fanboys will tell you that doesn't matter, man, because he wants to, he wants to, he's, he's going to do it. He wants to re-dollarize <laughs> Argentina. He wants to go on the American dollar, which he's if he was the true, do they, they have at this point? It, well, but if he was a true anarcho-capitalist, I mean, so he claims to be against central banks, but he's going to come back on the USD. Like, right. Seems kind of counterintuitive. Something weird about him, too. I wish he'd run a bloody comb through his hair. Same hairdresser <laughs> as Boris. <laughs> but yeah. um, he's, he happens to have dogs that are cloned. So, I, you know, I just think there's uh -huh. an underlying thing of where the hell is that going to go? Because he obviously thinks cloning is pretty damn good. So he's been doing it with his dogs for a, a while, apparently. I think Weird. He's got, sorry, he's yeah. I think he's Weird. on his fourth dog. 
Yeah. But I will say that if I had a chance to clone my dachshunds and money wasn't an issue, would I do it? I don't know. I would think about it. I miss those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally agree. But, you know, there's something about there's that uniqueness. And then it's sort of like going back to your place of childhood. It's always a disappointment, you know. It's better yeah. to just keep it as a memory. I know, but then I think about those little guys that I'm like, well, they were pretty bad. I don't know. I would like to have a little clone. (laughs) You'll meet them again, Ashley. Yeah, I hope so. Just Um, temporary separation. It's very true. I've been uh, really missing them um, these last couple days. You know, it's been a while since I lost them. Anyway, don't want to go there. But I was going to say in regards to the TED Talk guy, the economic hitman, I... I do take umbrage to anybody acting like taking over the world as a conspiracy is incorrect. It's very obvious to me. And so I, um, you know, I don't know. We were talking about it in the comments and Drizzle said they already have. So that's, you know, that's true. And mm-hmm. then Stella was saying um, what you made a really good point and I lost it, Stella. But any, any, Oh, nobody at that level could not know this. Yeah, if it's it's so obvious. So okay. I have to say I'm definitely sus of this guy as well. And I think that we have to keep in mind created persons, controlling the narrative, controlled opposition, um, revelation of the method. Yeah, selected, exactly. not elected. I mean, Council, for, Council yeah. of Foreign Relations, anyone? Moving, well, moving the Overton window in one way or another for whatever that reason may be. I just you you got to keep this in mind whenever somebody's presented, even if they're saying truth. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it's an interesting to note what gets filtered through the YouTube algorithm because apparently yeah. we got another like pause on our YouTube stream because we were playing a TED talk. So what SNL and Ted are like top priority for, you know, copyright violations. Come on. I thought, again, I'm like fair use. This is in the law. Like I thought Ted was supposed to be for educational purposes. Right. And it wasn't according to the dissemination of ideas. Right. And according to fair use, anything with educational or newsworthy content can be used under fair use. I'm wondering, maybe some of the dudes out there that are listening can let us know. I'm wondering whether if you put some sort of a keyword or a hashtag about educational use, whether that might sort of, the algorithm might look at it and go, okay, yeah. uh, no, probably not. That's, That's why me being white-pilled again. Sorry. I keep, <laughs> I keep fucking saying it for a reason because I'm, I'm, I'm basically defending our use of these clips as we go. But no, it's totally fair use. So fuck well, these assholes. They figure that out later, though, don't they? Not at the time. <laughs> the other question that I had was if you play a low-level music in the background, mm-hmm. could that mm-hmm. affect and maybe get it through? Yeah, Rob, Rob, because Rob, he, yeah. Rob is all about this shit. Yeah, yeah, they've tried that on the Grand Theft World broadcasts uh, to varying degrees of effectiveness, but mm. usually the stream ends up getting yeeted. Oh, uh, so okay. it still and, does, even in that case. Yeah. There are I, variations. I, well, yeah, because it, then instead of picking up whatever the, the source clip is, it starts picking up the music and hits it for a copyright on that. Yeah, so what, yeah, what you can actually yeah. do is um, instead of playing music in the background, you can get some sort of uh, f- open, cop. you know, what is it, open source or what? what's the mm-hmm. open, open public? Open source. 
public use. domain. Yeah, um, you can run just like somebody talking in the background. It might be a little bit on the distracting side, but that's the way to get around it. So it's just like blah, 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 blah in the background rather than music because then there's we no copyright get, We can get some Charlie Brown, the... some Charlie Brown no. grown-ups. <laughs> yeah. Wah, 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 yeah. Wah. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. But, um, that's how I've noticed a few people get around it. They just have vocabulary in the background rather than music. Yeah. But it is, it's worth noting what, triggers the youtube filter right apparently ted apparently ted is at the top so of course along with snl we've gotten away with playing a whole bunch of different types of clips but it's you know like if it's a news clip we've never had a problem but snl shit instant instant yeah Ted, Ted's definitely along with it because um i mean Mm -hmm. gislaine maxwell her her speech at ted is still up there i believe Talking about Terramar and all that. So is uh, Peter Daszak's, as wow. far as I know. Don't know who yeah. that is. Uh, he runs Eco Health Alliance, who is oh, collaborating like one of the with COVID the characters. Institute of Virology as well as UNC Chapel Hill uh, to develop new coronaviruses, or I should say, find new coronaviruses. Oh, look what we found. <laughs> Look what we yeah, I stumbled found, on everyone. Joke, like, whoopsie. In early whoopsie 2021, Daisy. I was like, oh, this is interesting. He's talking about emerging viruses. I told uh-huh. you not to buy that armadillo at the local market. <laughs> the pangolin. Yeah, there's no such thing as a fucking pangolin. Prove me wrong. <laughs> Prove me wrong. I love those little guys. You know, uh, armadillos at the moment are getting the, uh, the blame for leprosy. Ah. Uh. Spreading hot, not vaccines. It's the armadillos. Obviously, it's obviously the creatures that have been existing for who knows how long and not experimental (laughs) gene therapies that have only been around injected into a large amount of the population for the last four years. Or GMO (laughs) mosquitoes that keep getting released everywhere. Get this shit. Get this shit. And, And tell me if I'm silly for even bringing it up but my I, I got a sister and they have some evidence of bats living in their attic you know what they did they what all they got rabies shots <laughs> <laughs> i'm like really? come on oh did, come did they on. check whether rabies is a thing or in their area first because that has a lot to do with I, stuff i doubt it and none of them had it any evidence of a bite or a scratch, but because right. there were, because they there even know how rabies is contracted. Yeah, you gotta get bit. You gotta get yeah. bit, man. I mean, come on. They all went and got. <laughs> well, you have to have an exchange wow. of fluids. Wow. All right. Oh, However, God. that yeah. takes place. Sometimes it's through a bite. You know. Yeah. yeah. My my mom oh, wanted me. To, my mom wanted me to get a rabies shot because I got bit by a mouse one time. She was real serious about it too. <laughs> And I was like, ma, I was like, ma, it ain't no thing. And uh, I did some research and she, you know, I was right. Apparently there's never been a reported case of rabies from a mouse to a human. Because guess what? If a mouse gets attacked by a rabbit animal, it ain't going to fucking make it to the other end. (laughs) Right. Okay. (laughs) It just doesn't happen. I but, do feel for your family yeah. living in such fear. I mean, that what you really brought the most. Tell me about it. I'm like, get some dirt under your fingernails, y'all. <laughs> Quit being so, 
come on, you know, eat some raw goddamn hamburger. (laughs) At the very least, drink some raw milk. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bossing it or something. Yeah, it is. Um, it's it's very interesting, and I think about that because I I get pissed off that they want us to uh, vaccinate our dogs and cats constantly for fucking rabies, and it's like, how common is it? It's not very common at all. There's so a website stop. you can actually go to to um that apparently is like fed by veterinarians that know about it at least. It's sort of a bit like the Vayers system, really. The only people that fed that were the doctors etc that knew about it and they made it such a nightmare to make reports and as it turns out cdc had their own vayers site anyway Mm -hmm. there was a separate one for the public yep so anyway for what it's worth for anyone who's worried about rabies do a little bit of research about areas of outbreaks etc i mean not that you could probably believe any of it anymore the internet's getting worse and worse by the day actually by the hour really almost Oh, no um, doubt. So much no of doubt. it is AI, isn't it? Well, and oh, if man. if you have if you have a dog, and you don't want it to get shot by animal control, put a little red tag on it, a little rabies tag, whether or not it's legit. Because at least where I live here in Indiana, if you do not have an up to date rabies tag on your dog, animal control can and will shoot them dead on sight. Too bad if your dog's collar falls off. But yeah. I guess that's up to the yeah. owner to make sure it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they sounds... love to shoot animals. They yeah. love to shoot dogs. They love it. Trigger yep. happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dogs. Yep. So I think it's actually more lenient than that here in North Carolina. I think that you would be like that they would take your dog and quarantine it or you would be responsible for quarantining it for like 60 days or something like that. Or they put it down. But I think at least you could have a shot. But just avoid them, you know, at all at all costs. Yeah, if it's at, a at big all possible. For animals, isn't it? Yeah, percent Uh, And it's big vet. Exactly. Because what happens is that the animals get sick and get cancer and all the health issues Mm -hmm. that humans get. So they they'll spend anything and everything to try to help the animal. So it's the same, the exact same thing. And isn't it funny? Uh, You know, I've heard, I think this is factual, but the oldest living dog on the planet died a couple weeks ago. It was 30 years old, and get this, it never ate kibble. Yeah, that's another one I was just going to bring up, actually. It ate nothing but table scraps and leftovers, and it probably never got a goddamn shot in its (laughs) fucking life, Mm -hmm. and if we cannot recognize a pattern, we are so fucked. Yep, I've read that many times that dogs' natural life should be around about between 20, 25 years. Um, obviously, some live longer. But, yeah, the kibble stuff, oh, man, if you're feeding stuff from the supermarket to your animals, it's it's criminal. And even some of the vet stuff, really, especially with cats, their renal system just packs in. It's so common. It's so common. That's just stuff's poison. Some of the, the pet foods are just, you know, um, scrapings off the floor of abattoirs mixed with sawdust and all sorts of stuff. It just, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it depends on the grade, but... Some of the cheap stuff is. I would never buy pet food from Aldi or anything like that or any supermarket. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> towards the end, my little dog had uh, 
pancreatitis, which is quite typical for small female dogs, um, through feeding it, feeding her things that, you know, in hindsight, I wish I'd known better. But um, so towards the end of her life, after she had that um, diagnosis, she used to eat really, really well, like chicken fillets and um, tuna. <laughs> I mean, it was just like luxury food, but she didn't need a whole lot, she had a little dog. So really in the end, it actually is cheaper to feed them good food because you're going to save a hell of a lot on vet bills. <laughs> you know, yep. it, makes me, it makes me think of like two anecdotal, like short stories. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll only take me a moment, but... We used to make fun of my like crazy aunt and uncle for feeding their dog nothing but rice and and boiled chicken breast mm-hmm. because we thought they were being weird. Yeah. No. And we used to make fun of a neighbor who liked his dandelions in his yard and got in trouble with the homeowners association and famously barged into the HOA meeting and said, I'd like to know just what in the hell is wrong with dandelions. This is a this is a, a, a story in my family that was laughed about many, many times. And finally, I learned about dandelions, and I said, the motherfucker was right. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. We've been making fun of him for fucking years, and he was right. And guess what? Crazy ant. Kathy and Tim were right. Yep. You should see my yard. It's covered in dandelions for several reasons. One is because I'm trying to feed the bees. Two, because I pick dandelion heads and I make oil out of them so I can make my healing balms. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also eat the leaves in salads, which we've done many times, and the flowers. You can eat all of it, roots. And the other thing about dandelions is, is really good because um, I've got very poor soil. It's that orange, hardest concrete stuff. And what it the roots go right down and they bring calcium from down below up to the mm-hmm. surface. So what's they called, are really what's good. In called... fact, all weeds, all weeds, all, all weeds, weeds are really good. They're amazing. I've actually got weed books telling me mm-hmm. what recipes to do with weeds. And I leave a lot of my weeds now. And i am almost got they... no grass left because I'm putting clover seed everywhere. And that also feeds the bees. They they're, known, they're known as dynamic accumulators accumulators again i'm struggling with difficult words because god it's been a long weekend but (laughs) dynamic accumulators they they dive down into the bedrock and they mine for nutrients that are hard to get at the surface there's a reason a fucking dandelion is hard to pull it's got a badass taproot yeah, you can, you can dry that taproot and make sort of a coffee substitute from if yeah. you roast the dandelion root. It's why it's why comfrey, nice. it's why comfrey is both the least known and the most useful plant in North America. Yeah, that's uh, the main ingredient of my balms actually. Comfrey, mm-hmm. I've got that growing everywhere too. It's um, the most effective dynamic accumulator on the planet and guess what? They ran a smear campaign convincing people it was toxic. Yeah. It's, its other name is uh, also known as knit bone. It's fantastic for fractures, bro- broken bones, etc. Yep. Also arth- inflammation, arthritis, all that kind of thing. It gets really deep down. The only thing burns, about comfrey is burns and burns cuts is and scrapes. Yes. Yep. And uh, look, in my balms, I also try to include like local um, honey, local beeswax. Mm-hmm. I buy mm-hmm. all, everything's organic and everything's local as much as except for the olive oil i can't make that myself 
but it's always organic. Um, so, yeah, comfrey is the most amazing stuff. The only thing about comfrey mm -hmm. is that you don't put it on a wound that's infected because it's such a good healer that it it'll it close the, the infection inside. Yes, yeah, so exactly. That's the only thing you've yeah. got to know about that. Oh yep. yeah, highly recommend. So easy to make. There's a little uh, herbal herbal knowledge for all y'all. Um, well, I tell you what, guys, three three and three quarter hours here. Uh, any final thoughts before we call it a night? Yeah, I'd like to know why I can't send balm over to you guys. I'm not allowed. Mm. I would like to know that too because I have been thinking about that, as you know. Yeah. I wanted to send oh. you all sorts of things like rocks and patchouli oil and the balm that I make, and I'm not allowed to send any of it. <laughs> I know. Stella, Stella, just overthrow that little government you got, and we'll be good. I think it's at your end, actually. Not allowed to oh, bring probably. it in. Probably. All right, we're working. Probably, on it. yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, that's living in uh, the United Soviet States of uh, America. You know, a wholly owned subsidiary of the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> yeah. Mm, Actually, well I just seen. remembered I just remembered something sort of on this subject. Um, my mum was just telling me this morning, uh, we've got these red fire ants. I think you guys have them too, don't you? Red fire yep. ants. Yep. Don't they... let them get to your tenders. That's what a wise Texan once told me. Okay. Well, there's been a little bit of a problem in Queensland, which is the, the state north of me, because I'm in New South Wales. And um, anyway, it was reported recently that they seem to have made it over the border, up, allegedly, into a place called Mullumbimby. And um, they found that, and they've said that they're fairly established, so they've probably been there about three months. So guess what? As a result, because there's lots of interstate quarantining, like, it, I mean, it's bullshit when you really look at it. It's just like they just wave you through sometimes, even though you go to all this effort to get paperwork for you know whatever it is you want to bring in like a pot plant or something and then they just wave you through it's like geez i'm glad i went to all that trouble <laughs> but what they're doing now is um they're bringing in some new rules that uh you know certain things like fertilizers and what have you things like that aren't allowed to be you know go freely into state and all that and i mean you know we can sort of see where that's going the home gardeners the horticulture um more restrictions you know Ando coming in with the uh, con <laughs> the concise <laughs> summary. This podcast enjoys the weeds. A fucking <laughs> man, bro. Especially drizzle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, buddy. In. Well, you know, I was taught. I was taught in permaculture. There's no such thing as a plant out of place. There's plants that we think are out of place, but every plant is there for a fucking reason and it's amazing because weeds they're often uh referred to as pioneer plants and dynamic accumulators they mine impoverished dirt for nutrients and if we were only wise enough to wait the weeds would disappear because they will have done their job we just get in the way of them doing their fucking jobs. It's yep. so infuriating. It's like we think we think we know better, but the weeds know better. Yeah, there's really no such thing as a weed. A weed is only a plant growing that you don't want to grow there. So exactly. you, you, you're exactly right there. Um, you know, it, it annoys nothing annoys me more than these people like my neighbors who have these perfect, pristine, freaking mm -hmm. lawns, and every week mm -hmm. they're out there cutting them with fucking nail scissors almost and you know <laughs> making things look nice so then you lose your privacy that happened to me recently 
very annoyed about that. Hmm. <laughs> like, speaking oh, of weeds, speaking of other. weeds and people whacking them, what do we call it? Is it a weed whacker? <laughs> Is it a weed whip? What do you call it in Oz, Aussie land? I liked your guys' name for him. It is called a whipper snipper. Whipper snipper. <laughs> see, see, young young bucks in America are called whipper snappers. Yeah, they are. Oh. <laughs> but y'all got whipper snippers. We've got weed whackers. Different <laughs> yeah. words for the same shit. In the southeast, I've only ever heard it called a weed eater or a weed whacker. Mm-hmm. Usually, mm-hmm. weed eater. Or like, yeah. what do you, you know, I had to mow and weed eat my yard. Is that a brand by any chance? Like a weed eater? Is that like, like a Hoover is a vacuum cleaner? Maybe, maybe Not once upon a time. Of. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, Ando was calling it a string trimmer, which is actually like the correct, as far as like industry terminology, I can say as a landscaper, uh, if you want to uh, be correct about it, it's called a string trimmer. But I like weed whip and weed. What do you say? What do you say again? Stella? Whipper snipper. <laughs> Sounds like a hero tool, doesn't it? Get the whipper snipper. <laughs> Gotta have a beer at the same time. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Oh, man. Well, what do you say? Should we wrap her up? I think that's a good place to call it a night. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground tonight. Just don't get Stella started on on crumpets. All right, we'll be here for an hour. Don't Whippers. get into it, guys. <laughs> Whip a snipper is the new crumpet. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, I will I will start the sign off by saying this is Mike the Polymath. If you would like to listen to my show or buy my book or whatever, hire me to build a garden. Uh, easy peasy dot dot tips is the place to go. And I'll pass it over to Ashley. Oh, Ashley, can you tell us where to find us? I failed. I failed. <laughs> Please. How do we find the union of the unknowns? Took me a moment for the penny to drop. Go. Well, Stella. Well, Mike, I'm glad you asked. You can find us at theunionoftheunknowns.com. That's our Linktree page. It has all the myriad ways to get in touch with us, including the link to our Discord, where we would be happy to have you. Don't forget to sign up for our email uh, or our weekly or monthly newsletter that we have. And you can find me running the Unknowns Twitter over at Union Unknowns. And I would be so happy to have you uh, follow up with me, <laughs> Stella. <laughs> Well, basically, what she said. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, that, that'll do. Drizzle. <laughs> and, and, Ando says, I'm glad y'all asked. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I am the Drizzle host of Grand Theft World Liberty Radio, which you can listen to most Wednesdays through Saturdays, 9 to midnight Eastern. And uh, the easiest way to find us is to head to the website manufacturingreality.org and look for the live stream widget at the, uh, well, near the top of the page. Excellent show, too. All that work. Well, you know, yes, I love awesome. Grand Theft World Liberty Radio. Yes. Amen. Amen. And I love Grand Theft World. 
uh, you know, it's funny because I was like, oh, my God, there's such a thing as like a six and a half, seven hour podcast. Oh, yeah. And look at us. Dude, Richard's done like a 24 hour podcast, not live stream, but a 24 hour podcast. Yeah. Well, it actually, you know, it gave me the gumption to realize some things take time. Right. Mm -hmm. And here we are three hours and 53 minutes into the WTF forum. I'm so proud of what we're doing here, y'all. I'm glad you're here. Um, I will give thanks to all of y'all because y'all are cool as fuck. And I'm so glad we get to hang out on the reg. So thanks for coming to the WTF forum. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Say what you want to say, Stella. Love Love you, Guts. guts. (laughs) Love you, Guts. Love you, Guts. And we're going to have some new fucking music coming at you real fucking soon. Oh, yeah. Because I've been lighting fires under asses, and we're going to get her done. (laughs) Isn't that right, Stella? Settle. Settle. (laughs) Curiosity gotcha. I know. I know. It's so good. I can't wait to share. Yeah. It's uh, probably... I'm going to venture... Mm, is next week the beginning of December? Uh, next week's show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we might aim for that. We'll I was going to aim happens. for like January, the beginning of the, the year. That would sort of be my head, but like I say, chomping at the bit there. So fair enough. I'm chomping. I'm chomping Let's do hard. It. Let's not comply to these 